Good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Stan the Fan Charles, our Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox, back in studio with us on a Friday edition of the program. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Good to see you. Lots to discuss. Exciting weekend of uh, sports coming up. Are you, you know, I'm glad because we can push back some of the other stuff we got to talk about. Are you genuinely excited about this? I, I am. You know, look, I'm bitterly disappointed that, that the Ravens aren't part of this, but I, I think we got ourselves a really, really great matchup. I, you might be. It has been very difficult. I think it's not just for me. Like, I have been able to get no juice on the Super Bowl from anybody in town. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's a little bit like I tried to figure out where the line is. It's. It's 50% the Ravens, and then it's 50% Chiefs fatigue. And we were talking about it on um, the radio show last night. It's Chiefs fatigue in the immediate aftermath of all of the Patriots fatigue that we had here in the Tom Brady. Like, after Tom Brady, it was supposed to be more fun and more open and different teams. And, and it's been like, nothing but heavy doses of Of Kansas Patrick City. Mahomes yeah. and the Chiefs now, yeah. right? Like you got Well, one. that's the excitement in this game is is – is there a team out there that can play with them and actually beat Mahomes and Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Right. Correct. And the witchcraft that she clearly oh, has. It's, and the conspiracies. The, the, mag, the magas are right about Taylor Swift. Oh, she's no she's got she's in on with Satan and she's using her witchcraft, obviously. And she owned that and pizza parlor. That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, clearly she uh, she supports Joe Biden, and that's what all this is, right. is a deep state uh, <laughs> plan to make... I got nothing. I got nothing on that. Who but, was uh, it that said? I forget which comedian is it. Yeah, that's so they fix it so that the team that's been in the three of the last four right, Super correct. Bowls is another, back in the Super Bowl. Another one, right? That's what they needed to do. They needed to uh, make sure that happened. And so of course, Tagliabue's involved because it's, oh, it's all at the expense. It's all the expense of Baltimore. Oh my! This yes. is like the scene from I, I on the waterfront. I didn't front. realize. You know what? How yeah, old is this Paul? This is not your. This is, is not your chance, Charlie. How old is Paul Tagliabue? Yeah, he's about eighty-eight. I think, I think you're right, yeah, Stan. Old, old enough to be president, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's eighty-three yeah. years old. He's eighty-three. Eighty-three years old, Paul Tagliabue. Yeah, uh, we do have a lot to discuss, obviously, on a Friday edition of the program. Coming up a little bit later on, always a pleasure to catch up with Buck Showalter, former Orioles manager. Um, we don't know yet what Buck's plans are for this year. He, of course, spent time last year with the New York Mets before he was uh, let go. And I assume he'll probably be doing some media work this year. He was doing the media rounds this week. That's why we decided to catch up with him. But uh, we'll pose a lot of you different You think he'll stuff. end up with yes again? Will it be or, that or, simple? Or, or MLB Network? Yeah. Or, or both, probably. Right. Madison, or, or, yeah. uh, I don't know about that one. No? Don't know about that one, but... I'd love it. It'd be great if they had if if Buck got like the ten game package when somebody wasn't working. And I think with this new ownership group, it's entirely possible. I don't I, think I David think Rubenstein would, be, would have any any qualms about. How about teaming tremendous. up Buck Buck and Adam for? Like I think that 10 would games, be awesome. Ten twelve. Games. It would be awesome yeah. for it to be Buck and Adam, but. We'll talk to Buck a little bit later on. Also later on this morning, Jay Cornegay from Superbook will join us. We will find out uh, what some of the fun props are that are available. So I got to the bottom of this. Uh, Griffin and I were very disappointed. We did like a fun props pick em segment yesterday. Yeah. And we couldn't find anything related to Gatorade 
halftime or the anthem. And apparently that is a state issue in the state of Maryland. Really? You are not allowed to bet those types of props. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. Gotta be on. I don't know it's if it's gotta involve take, Taylor Swift. Take oh, yeah, a trip correct. up north, maybe. I get. I don't. But I don't know what the rules are. I was just yeah. informed of this last night. I don't know what the rules are in Pennsylvania or in Delaware, or West Virginia, or any right. of those places. In Maryland, you're not allowed to bet those types of props. I. I, I don't have the answer. I don't know if it's because somebody they're thinks horrible. They're very dangerous. Well, I, I could understand if their argument I mean, if you is... If bet on one singer right, in the Super true. Bowl, the next it's a, thing you it's, know... It's a gateway drug. Everybody yeah, knows that. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're, you're betting on uh, <laughs> the Grateful Dead concert on Friday night. Like, it gets out of control. Will they play this song? Correct. You're, you're in an opium den in San Francisco. All I did was bet on the national anthem. It's Leads just right straight slip, to fentanyl. Slippery slope. Everybody knows that. I, I don't know what the reasoning is. I guess their argument would be... Somebody can control these, so we don't want that. So what I'm seeing, according to Forbes, uh, yes. it is not legal to bet on those things anywhere in the U.S. That's not true. That's really? definitely that's not defi- true. That's not true? That's definitely okay. not true. There are places. I was seeing, well, what, what I was seeing is that unless you tie it into the game. So if it's like, if the anthem is longer, will the anthem be longer than the longest drive of the game? It's like, you know, 80 <laughs> seconds. Okay. How in the world does – right, I'm not going to – we're not going okay. to – maybe we'll ask Jay Cornegay about it. I don't know. But we'll ask him about some of the other props. That, I'm uh, sure he'll can. understand why that they they have qualms about it. Well, I, I guess it I, is I, that I think that it's it the idea of Usher knows what song – and pl- clearly a bunch of people that, that work on the Is he singing the national anthem? No, he's doing halftime. He's halftime. Reba right. is the national anthem. Who is? Reba McIntyre is okay. the national anthem. Good old so, country girl. So I, the, cl- somebody can control the outcome of these bets. But, like, they let you bet on other things that people can, can – I don't know. Maybe it's all offshores that allow you to bet on those things. It might be because, yeah. like, you can bet WWE on offshore books, but you can't bet WWE on – Anywhere here. I don't know if that's true or not, actually, now that I think – whatever. We're spending too much time I'll on find this. Out. We're going to talk to Jay Cornegay about the bets that you can make with Superbook. And, of course, if you use the code Glenn Clark 23 or – Stan Charles 23 when you sign up with Superbook you'll receive up to $250 on a same day first bet match win or lose my favorite thing that Superbook is doing for the Super Bowl is they are offering squares the same way that you sign up for your squares contest in the office your charity squares thing where you're just given a random number and you're like oh 8 and 9 that sucks well you can pick your own squares go right now to Superbook and if you go to the NFL tab, then go to weekly specials, the first thing you'll see is Super Bowl squares. And you can pick what you want for any quarter. So like 0-0, I believe if I remember correctly, my father had 0-0 for Super Bowl 35, That's the Ravens, Ravens and the Giants, game. and two different quarters. Mm. I believe there was a 0-0 at the end of the first quarter and a 10-0 at the half, if I remember correctly. So my so he was a double winner on the square. My friend had a uh, not a not a square. Well, yeah, not a Super Bowl squares, but an AFC Championship squares contest, mm-hmm. and they had seven seven, and it was seven and it was, seven and the then, first three quarters. And then, oh, all wow. three, right? Yeah, so the he, first three he quarters hit on all seven, of those. Seven. Lucky yeah. guy. Yeah. So if you want one of those numbers, just go bet it right now. Like right now, zero zero is plus three hundred. 
Uh, if you like seven seven, seven seven's a popular one, obviously. If you I like, love two and two. I don't know why you would love that. That I seems like a really it. terrible well, it's square. Jim Palmer's number. That's true. I just don't know that it's a great great square, but it would pay at one hundred to one if you were to hit it. If the first quarter was both teams getting safeties somehow, or if at the end of the third quarter everybody's kicked four field goals and nothing else, give me right. three zero. You would you're cash in, in, in at one hundred to one. One hundred to one. So get over to Superbook and sign up now. Um, Stan, I don't really want to spend a ton of time, and it's not because I'm trying to ignore it. The, the The story of the day, unfortunately, is this investigation involving Zay Flowers, and it it it's it's awful if true, but the if true part is the part that has to shine at the moment because we we know so little right now about the circumstances. We know there is an investigation into an incident. We don't know anything about, there's no evidence, there's nothing being reported about what actually would have happened in those circumstances. All we have so far is the Baltimore Banner report and then corroborating confirmation from other sources that there is an investigation that is going on. And it's, it's, they're using the term, though, domestic violence. Yeah, domestic correct? assault. Yes, correct. Domestic assault. So... If the, the most troubling part of this is, and you just told me this before we went on the air, this supposedly, it's not something that took place two days ago. No. This took place before the, AF, the AFC Championship Correct. Game. So I, I, every, every ounce of it is troubling, obviously. Yeah. Like every yeah. part of it is troubling. But yes, if, if we continue down this road, there will be a lot of questions that will have to be answered if, if this... It, you know, as it's investigated, is proven to be true. Then there'll be questions asked to the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, the Ravens have said post Ray Rice they have a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence. Um, that will certainly be tested here. I, I, it is very difficult. I found myself doing live radio last night and understanding this is what people was on was front of mind for everyone, yep. and yet it's almost irresponsible to talk much about it because the reality is we don't know zay flowers has every opportunity to 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 say why it was that this was not what happened um it's the burden of course is on the proof it's and then there's the question of hey even if it's not something that leads to an arrest or charges what do the Ravens find? Like, th- there's every layer of this. We talked about this last night. The Ravens made a lot of errors during the Ray Rice situation. A lot of errors. They can't afford to make the same errors this time because they are going to be over-scrutinized. So even if the legal system says one thing, the Ravens are going to have the responsibility to go in without bias, without the desire to make sure that Zay Flowers is on the field or on the team or anything along those lines because they will have a heavy spotlight on them after what happened the last time they were in this situation. The the biggest difference, of course, is as far as we right. know, there's no, there's video, no videotape. Right. right. You know, right. and I remember hearing stories that Somebody from the Ravens, I forget which person it was, whether it was uh, Dick um, Dick Cass or what, had talked to a state police. And I might have the wrong person, so I don't want to put it on Dick Cass. And 
and the police officer in New Jersey said, trust me, you don't want to see this video. Right, right. And, and, and that's what Dick Cass, I believe it was Dick Cass, related, relayed to the group meeting that took place is we don't want to see this video. The, the reality is there, there is a lot that will unfold, and it will cloud the conversations that we have about the Ravens offseason. Every time we talk about what their needs are and what decisions they have to make, it's going to be clouded by the, we don't know what's going to be going on with Zay Flowers. But that's the reality. And there's a human element that's way more important to this, which is there's potentially a victim of, of a domestic assault. And so that always has to be more important than the football aspect of a conversation. It's, it's, it's awful. It sucks. It is absolutely the about the worst. It, it's high up there on the worst ways that the Ravens could kick off their offseason. It's, it's wretched, but that's reality, and that's what's going to have to be dealt with. You know what's amazing, uh, and we don't know the comparisons between this and the Ray Rice incident, but we do know the, the people that we're talking about. If you had said before we knew about the Ray Rice in, incident yeah. that there's going to be an incident, with a play, we, there, there was an incident, right. you would say, what, would pl- what player right. would it be? He would have been like 30th mm-hmm. on your list. you if know. That. And Zay Flowers, yep. uh, I got to be honest with you, Zay Flowers, until that taunting play, had been, to me, a model of perfection in terms of a young man and how he handled his business. Um it, that's that's a troubling part of this too, is that he could potentially be that troubled behind that sweet face, taking care of the eight nine siblings. Yep. You know, and look, I hope there is far more to the story. Yeah. I hope that this is not what it appears to be for every as, like, angle of this. I hope that there is no actual victim in any of this. Like I hope that's the case, but hope. Is just hope, yeah. and the reality is it's what they're going to have to deal with. So I, I'm not trying to push it aside or pretend like it doesn't exist. We don't know any. It's just yeah. a, every like hypothetical conversation that we have about it almost borders into irresponsible Yeah, because we just don't know. As this continues to unfold, if more details come out and if we hear more, then we will discuss them at that point. But at the moment, it's... It's pure hypothesizing, and it, it's just not – it's of no value. It offers nothing to the discourse. So that's where we are, not hiding from it, not pretending like it doesn't exist. Just we are not qualified to have an in-depth discussion about this particular topic at the moment. So that's that. If there was pleasant news for the Baltimore Ravens, and boy is it a shame that – the two things happened so quick to each other. It's, of course, the news that Lamar Jackson did, in fact, win MVP last night uh, for the second time in his career. I know for some people, much like the Super Bowl, it probably feels hollow because who cares that he's a two-time MVP? He lost in the playoffs again and didn't play well in the AFC Championship game. Fair. Fair. Um, It's still remarkable it's still an incredible testament to someone to be a two-time NFL MVP. That still does not happen very frequently. That's not something that a lot of people have done. A lot of people were never MVP of the league once that were considered 
really great players. Very few ever have been named MVP of the league twice. Who's on that list? I mean, Mahomes is, right? Yeah, John Unitas is definitely right. on the list. Uh, multiple. I saw the list last night, and now, of course, I don't have it in front of me. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. John Unitas, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Peyton Manning, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady. And now Lamar And Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Wow. It's a pretty exclusive it is, list. It is a remarkably exclusive list. It's more exclusive. Uh, Joe Montana. Yeah, Steve sorry, Young as well. Steve Young, Brett Favre. I don't know why this tweet didn't yeah, include everybody. That's Kurt very, Warner. Kurt Warner. Aaron Rodgers. So still exclusive, <laughs> yes, but not as list. exclusive as this tweet that I saw was suggesting that Patrick it Mahomes. was. I said Mahomes. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. Correct. So um, it's still – look, let's be, let's be clear. It's still 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11 guys yeah. all time, uh, including Lamar Jackson, that have won multiple NFL MVP awards. Here's my tidbit. Wait, who were they? Yeah. Well, I, I have more. I have more. Uh, I'll right. probably have forgotten them by the time we get to the end of the show, too, for what it's worth. Um, Has anybody done it three times? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady, probably. Tom Brady, Brett Favre, John Unitas, Jim Brown, three times. Aaron Rodgers, four times. Peyton Manning, five, five times. times. Wow. Peyton Manning. But, like, you know, here's a remarkable part. John Elway was never a multiple was not a multiple MVP winner, right? Like Dan Marino didn't win multiple MVPs of the league. He was it's, also John Elway was a terrible GM. It's a great point. <laughs> Awful. Wretched. Well, I mean he did he did win a Super Bowl. He was what a, a, GM. What a loser. He didn't win the MVP twice. Right? Like, and he was a terrible GM. He didn't GM. win two Super Bowls as a GM. Yeah. This guy stinks. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, the the the, the Colts were lucky. They they won out and all that. Did, um, he, did he make – was his last trade the Russell Wilson trade? Or was, was that, that the him new or was, GM? I think that was the new GM. The new I think GM. he was out by that. Good point. job. Yeah, right. Good job. Nailed that one. And the um, sequencing of getting him and then hiring Sean Payton was really great. Brilliant. Next really. year they'll have Kirk Cousins or whatever they'll do at quarterback next year. Um, a lot of people are up in arms because one person didn't vote for Lamar Jackson. For MVP, Aaron Schatz, who is an analytics, um, he's sort of the godfather of football analytics, and we bring him on. He, he kind of invented the DVOA statistic. Um, I I read Aaron Schatz' piece explaining his vote, and truth be told, I found it to be thoughtful. I disagree, a admittedly, in the same way that I don't think everybody watched every Lamar Jackson game. Somebody would say to me, "Well, you didn't watch every Josh Allen game. You didn't watch every." Dak Prescott game. You didn't watch every Brock Purdy game. You only watched every Lamar Jackson game. So how would you be qualified to say that he's more deserving than somebody else? Well, a lot of people would agree. 49 out of 50 voters voted for Lamar Jackson. I'm not bothered. This is not the type of thing that I get up in arms about. I, I disagree. I think MVP is a horse race. And Lamar Jackson won the horse race. Aaron Schatz's argument is that if you go game by game, Josh Allen was more outstanding in a greater number of games than Lamar Jackson was this season. Okay. That's an argument. It's, 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 a, it's not, I don't think he's doing it for attention. If this was some, you know, Fox Sports talk show host type that just wanted to be a contrarian to get attention today then I'd be more up in arms about that. I think Aaron Schatz, knowing Aaron Schatz, is sort of the opposite of that. 
he believes that he he was selected to vote because they wanted the analytics community to be represented in voting and advanced statistics to be represented in voting. And so he feels inclined to default to advanced statistics, although he did admit that all of the advanced statistics said Brock Purdy should have been the MVP, and he chose not to go to with Brock Purdy because the advanced statistics also say Brock Purdy's the fifth best player on the 49ers offense. So he doesn't believe that you can be the MVP. So he defaulted to the next on his list, going to his statistics, and that was Josh Allen. And I'm fine with that explanation. I, I, I don't... I think we get so lost in these things. Like, we get so offended. A baseball Hall of Fame, this happens all the time, Stan. Like, how dare this one person not vote for this one person? I, I think it's okay to sometimes just say we disagree, and it's not the end of the world. I, I think that other opinions we can have. I, I've always thought it was a little absurd, the people that say I'll never vote for somebody on the first ballot for the Hall of Fame. Like, I'll, I'm... I mean, why would you make a statement like that? Right. The, a blanket statement. I mean, to me... I, I will say the concept that somebody wouldn't have voted for Willie Mays right. or Hank Aaron on the first ballot, it's just, that, that's mind-blowing to me. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Makes no sense whatsoever. So that theory that I'm going to, I'm going to vote in a different way than I'm going to have a different set of rules than what everyone else is playing by, I think that you can push back on. But having a different opinion about something like this, I'm okay with. And it was one person. Like, Lamar Jackson won the MVP award. Right. Deservedly so. It ain't the end of the world to me. I know, well, if there's only this one guy, he'd be the only two-time unanimous MVP of all time. Well, what does that get you? <laughs> like, does that get you free sub sandwiches the rest of your life? Like, what? What is he missing? Doesn't out mean you'll on? automatically play well in a playoff game. I, like I, I just I'm not. You're, I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy to find myself. I'm worked just up surprised, about though, as thoughtful as you say this guy is. Did Josh Allen seem like he had a particularly great season? I think uh, for a stretch, it was disappointing because of after I, he turned the ball the, over an the, awful the lot. interceptions. Correct. Yeah. The statistics would say, much like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen is the entirety of the Bills' offense, right? Now, ironically, at the end of the year, it seemed like they were figuring something out, like, hey, you know, you could also run the ball with a running back. Like, crazy thought, but that's something that you're allowed to do here that the Bills, for whatever reason, for years have said, nah, we, we're not going to do any of that. We'll pass on running the ball with a running back. Um, but the the totality, the usage of Josh Allen – the argument is literally everything they do offensively, Josh Allen does. Where on the flip side, the Ravens, again, there's irony here because we all watched the last game, the Ravens do hand the ball off to their running backs sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Just sometimes. Just not in the most important game of the year for whatever reason. You know, um, you know how I uh, always am often scanning AOL for news headlines? Yes. What do you think of this headline? Identical twin tried to take blame for sister after fatal Amish buggy crash. Well, that's fascinating. <laughs> I, I am I am intrigued to know more. I am they they got me with that one. I would click. They got me like I, I would I would click on that. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, a new class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. By the way, today's show also brought to you by Toyota. And if you think you know high school basketball. 
then go to countysportszone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard. It's only at countysportszone.com, presented by your local Toyota dealers. Can you bet on the uh, no the, uh, <laughs> national, the national anthem, the length of the oh, anthem at the high school game? Basketball game? I don't know. That might be maybe offshore you can do that. Uh, a lot of outrage last night because Antonio Gates did not get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on the first ballot, which is damn. Well, oh yeah, you're yeah, really you're damn. particularly worked up about that. I had a that. huge bet that he oh, would on, make it on Antonio the first. Gates. Look, man, I, it's it's silly to me. I will acknowledge that Antonio, if like Antonio Gates isn't a first, but the Pro Football Hall of if you think the Baseball Hall of Fame balloting system is weird, the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection is yeah. bat s. Utterly absurd. In- insanity, the way that system works. And everyone who is confident, because next year both Marshall Yonda and Terrell Suggs are on the ballot for the first time for the wow. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. And everybody who's super confident that those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers, I, I'm, I would ease up on your confidence level. Like I, I would say Yonda would definitely make it. I would say some of the off-the-field stuff with Suggs. Maybe, but I don't know that Yonda would get in on his first ballot. Like It's also a loaded class next year. The class really? next year is, and like it'll be headlined by... Is the, Mahomes in it? No, no he's not going to be on next year's. Andy oh, Reid in well it? Be. Yeah, right? At this point, correct. There's no reason why they don't just go ahead and induct him. Like just Look, he can keep playing, but we know the answer. The guy's a Hall of Famer. Let's go ahead and do it. Next year's class includes Eli Manning. In. I I think he will be, but I've had this conversation before. I am not. He's, he, I guess his, the second Super Bowl. Yes, his entire candidacy is two Super Bowls. Because right. as a player, player if you he merely looked at him as a player, there's not even an argument about him being a Hall of Famer. Right. It's not even like it's borderline. Right. There is no argument for Eli Manning just the football player to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The only argument is, well, he won two Super and Bowls. And he's Peyton's so he, brother. And he was in New York, and yeah. he's turned into a media darling, yeah. and all and of that stuff. he does those stuff. beer commercials. The, uh, sure. He needs to get in because that will help Flacco's chances. So I think I think you might want to put that one to bed. No. Uh, Luke, no. Luke Keekley is on the ballot next year. Um, Luke Keekley is obviously a Hall of Famer. I, I did think the only, like, the pleasant part about the fact that Antonio Gates didn't get in is that might have been the spot that Patrick Willis took. And to me, Patrick Willis was a slam dunk Hall of Famer. So I, I'm glad they got Patrick Willis in and didn't continue to try to penalize him for his career being short because I thought, you mean, like, you put Terrell Davis in. Once you put Terrell Davis in, the argument about the career being short kind of has to go out the window. Patrick Willis was... Willis played the Falcons? The 49ers. 49ers. Dominant. 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 Unbelievably dominant. And so Luke Keekley, whose career was short, but not even... He was a, a great player. I mean, dominant. Absolutely, utterly dominant. Adam Vinatieri is on the ballot next year. And mm. it's an interesting case for Justin Tucker down the road. As much as everybody agrees that Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time, Adam Vinatieri is sort of like the Eli Manning of this ballot. His performance in the playoffs and in Super Bowls props him up to a place where it has long been thought that Adam Vinatieri would be the next kicker to get into the Hall of Fame. Is he a first ballot guy? How do they treat the kick? They put Devin Hester in, despite the fact that he was a specialist. How many years? He, waited one, year. he waited one year. He waited one year. I and then see they, that being the case for... I, I could potentially see that being the case for Vinatieri. I mean, they got... And Antonio Gates comes back on this ballot. And by the way, Torrey Holt's still yeah. sitting there. 
Torrey Holt still hasn't gotten into the Hall of Fame at this point. So they still have a wide receiver logjam. I mentioned Suggs and Yonda. Um, Marshawn Lynch, I don't feel... Marshawn Lynch is one of the greatest personalities in football history. As a player alone, I don't know that I feel that Marshawn Lynch is a Hall of Famer. I think his personality raises his profile in a way that will make people think about it a little bit more. But just as a football player, I think Marshawn Lynch was was really good. But if the if the standard for running backs in this era is like Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch was not close to Adrian Peterson as a football player. Um, Earl Thomas, another Ravens legend, on the ballot for the first time next year. And until Earl Thomas had his incident in Baltimore, Earl Thomas was a surefire Hall of Famer, was a slam dunk, dominant of dominant player. Uh, Joe Staley, the former 49ers offensive lineman who terrific player. 100% was a terrific player. So it is a loaded ballot of first-timers next year along with leftovers like Antonio Gates. I, I think both. I think next year is going to be the year Art Modell gets in. Yeah, I'm going to bet not. I'm going <laughs> to bet not, Stan. I'm going to bet not. Although, you know, with all these committees now, you never know. If you just find the right committee that's willing to. Although, even after you're approved by the committee, you still. So, like, it was Randy Gratishar and Steve McMichael were the ones that were approved by a committee. You still have to go into that room for approval. So, it's uh, not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where the committee, like, 16 people get to decide if you're in or not. Right. The committee approves your name, and then you go back in front of that room that has rejected Art Modell time and time and time and time and time again. Ain't happened. So I think that's the case. But Steve McMichael, I think a lot of people are familiar with the story of uh, his health in recent years, and he's deteriorating. Um, nice to see that he will be recognized and he will be inducted to the Hall of Fame. And uh, Randy Gratishar from the Broncos as well. It's Look, it's different, difficult thing, too, because you can only put five guys in. All right. It's really tough. Freeney got in, right? Dwight Freeney got in. Patrick Willis got in. Devin Hester got in. Julius Peppers. Again, he's going to argue about Julius Peppers getting into the Hall of Fame. So so next year I got Keekly. Oh, this is this is a this is important. Tory Holtz. Breaking news. This is Marshall Yonda and Terrell Sucks. Okay, so you've got them both getting in on the first time. Maybe they put Jared Allen in over. All right, Jared Allen still. I completely Jared Allen's not in yet. Jared Allen still isn't in the Hall of Fame. So he's got to get in. Bizarre. James Harrison's not in. I don't feel as strongly about James Harrison as some people do. I think he was a hell of a player, but I, to me, I don't know that he's slam dunk Hall of Fame. Good, keep him I, I think there's a chance he gets in eventually, but I don't. I don't feel like it's some sort of crime that James yeah, Harrison. I don't, I don't either. You know, maybe Allen gets in over Suggs. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, and I, you know, I just don't know. It's so hard to figure. This is such a select group of people. It's very difficult to figure yeah. out. How many years has Allen been waiting now? Is this like his third try? Uh, Fourth try? See if I can find. Uh, I want to see if it was his third. Yeah. I want to see. If, I think. I think that's what it was. But I will. Um, he sure seemed like he would have gotten in by now. Four. Four. This. So uh, next year will be his fourth year. Next year. Yeah. So it's been three years. He hasn't made it. Um, which is uh, which is it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's kind of weird that Jared Allen's been waiting all this time. Obviously, a damn damn good player. Yeah. But, you know, he also never won, right? Like, he never won a Super Bowl. He never was on a champion. You know, like, he didn't have that going for him. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. It's a very tough group to crack through. Mm. All right. Um, I want to talk about a little bit more about the your interest in the Super Bowl, and I also want to talk about 
next steps for the Orioles. That's where I want to get with you. You don't want to talk about uh, Pat Mahomes' wife's uh, SI, SI swimsuit issue. Good for her. She, yeah. th- that, she, if she's, any, she's if any lady, fire. If any she's lady could fire. use some attention, it was definitely yeah. her. I am glad that we're giving her a little bit of attention yeah. for, a, for a change. Uh, she looks lovely. I, I don't know what you want me to say. She's a lovely young lady. When we come back in, I want to talk. I've been talking all week with various guests about what's next. What next that the Orioles need to do? Well, they Summon picked up, up uh, Levon. Uh, uh, yeah, Soto, right? Soto. Correct. Nick, what about Nick Matan? Yeah, yeah, big. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I had him on my fantasy That's team right. last year. Ooh. So Ouch. you're going to drop him for us? Right? Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. I'll break him down. There we go. So we'll talk about that next. Stan the Fan Charles is here. You had a couple of shows. You had three shows, right, this week? Jesus, was there just flying <laughs> so bad? Yeah. I, I did Eric Garfield last night. Yeah. We did some players in the Oriole organization in need of sort of a reset, uh, you know, that their careers haven't really gone the way that the Orioles had hoped. Uh, did my show with uh, Ross and Luke on Monday. And where was my third show? Mary Drexler. Oh, Mary Drexler. Yes. yes. Helpmygamblingproblem.org. Yep. Yep. You can I find all I... those shows right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash good to, video. Good to one of us is paying attention hey man, to what I'm com- doing. Company man over here. <laughs> Glenn Clark, company man. That's what they always call me. Uh, we'll talk about next steps for the Orioles. And then coming up at the top of the hour, Buck Showalter. That's on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. The place to be on Sunday to watch the game is probably live casino in a hotel, right, Griff? That's 100% correct. Sports and social, to be precise, uh, at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Features an on-site FanDuel location, and it is your ultimate spot to watch the big game on their massive 100-foot media wall. So order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from the signature crushes and extensive beer selections, all just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Ronald Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so we will. Buck Showalter will join us in about uh, 23 minutes. But right now, I want to spend a couple of minutes with Stan talking about next steps because I, I think when we talked last Friday in the aftermath of the Corbin Burns deal, we threw out a couple of things. The, for example, the back end of the bullpen that we would still say. I, I have, I have again, it's been split as I've been talking to a lot of people this week about do you believe that the Orioles roster as is is good enough to win the World Series? And, like, for example, Jim Bowden, effusive, you know, like, mm-hmm. yes, 100%. I'll tell you right now, the Orioles are going to be in the World Series. Um, Ryan Spielborgs, no. But if they had Emmanuel Classe, they would be. Like, there's been a split in the, the folks that I've talked to this week about whether or not as is. So I, I, I preface it this way. In the World Series. I don't think it's easy to acquire. I, I think a lot of people around town would say, oh, Emmanuel Classe, send him Colton Kowser. It's not going to work that way. Like, that's the, the, the Guardians have an asset that has an extremely favorable contract for the next five favorable. years. Yep. Yep. You would have to give up. You'd have to give up three or four players to get him I, in that and, contract. And probably one of them has to be one of the – like, the, the two guys yeah. right now that nobody wants to touch are Basayo and Mayo. Right. Like, we don't – you know, those are the top two guys that are just still prospects. We don't want to touch those guys it would probably require one of those guys. And I get it. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. Totally understood. But you're not getting Emmanuel Classe because the contract is so favorable. There is no reason for the Guardians to deal him. They have very little incentive to deal him unless they're going to patch three three to four holes. You know, Something right there. Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. So if it's not that, there's not really an answer to be had. Are you confident that the Orioles – can be okay enough in the back end of the bullpen with Kimbrell, likely Tyler Wells, we'll find that out, and all of the arms they bring back, and with more innings from the starting pitchers, that they won't find themselves... We keep going back to it. They were 30-15 and 15 in one-run games a year ago. It was staggering. That's a... That's a- Big number, yeah. Uh, the, to the, read, to yeah. duplicate. Remember yeah. the 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 advanced statistics. Like Pakoda thinks the Orioles are an eighty-seven win team. Mm-hmm. They don't think that they can replicate what they did in one-run games, despite the fact that on paper they would appear to be a better overall team. Fangraphs, their model has them at eighty-six wins going into this season. Are you confident that this won't be a significant issue that could harm them at the beginning of the season? Uh, 
I'm not that worried about the back end of the bullpen. My my worry comes in in a few players. Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Santander. Now, not all of them are going to be down this year, mm-hmm. but if two of them are significantly down, that creates somewhat of a problem. Some of that could be made up by a rookie of the year candidate named Jackson Holiday if he truly makes the team out of out of Sarasota or two weeks into the season. He's up, you know. So my worries are more about whether this offense will improve or step back. I think the pitching staff is for the most part going to be fine. I think uh, Craig Kimbrell, given that they've got some more help back there, and I think Wells most likely will end up there unless there's an injury to somebody, Means or Kramer get hurt, I think Wells is destined for the bullpen. I think we're strong enough down there. Um, In fact, I think we're potentially a lot stronger than people think. I think if they can keep Kimbrell's innings down by like 10 innings, which isn't easy, but you just sort of, uh, Brandon's very disciplined. Buck was very disciplined that way. You just have to say there are certain days he's off the board, that he's not going to pitch back-to-back-to-back, or the back-to-back are going to be limited over the course of a season. So my concerns are are mostly on the offense with players that I don't know what we're going to get out of. I'm confident that it was fascinating. I wrote we were doing our prop bets for mm-hmm. for the new issue of Press Box. I'm staggered by the projections on Gunnar Henderson. He hit 28 home runs last year. You know how many he's projected to hit this year? 25, 22, yeah, something like that. Right. 22. Why? Why would to me he was just scratching the surface right. on his power last year. And really, the last two months of the season picked it up tremendously against left-handed pitchers. Um, so I'm not worried about Gunnar Henderson. Not worried about Adley Rutschman. Those five players that I mentioned, which is a significant number, uh, I just don't know which way their careers are I, going I, right I, now. I understand your feeling about all of them, and I I think that a lot of us thought that in this off season that perhaps would be the case to let's 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 limit the number of these guys that we have questions about. Let's commit to the ones that we think are are definitely a part of this, and then let's maybe start to move on from the ones that we don't. And that wasn't the case. Like all of these guys. None of them to this point have been used in a trade. I, I, I watched the team. I'm sorry to interrupt yep. you. I watched the team carefully in those playoffs. And again, I've said this a couple times on the show and on different media uh, formats that I, I'm on. Uh, they did not, they look like deer in the headlights last year against the Texas Rangers. And a veteran hitter like a Justin Turner would have to me would mean the world to this team you know that's somebody that's been through the playoff wars time and time again and who's still producing at a high level now clearly the finances have changed a little bit the dynamics of what they'd be willing to spend but had David Rubenstein bought the team two months ago I'm not so sure that Mike Elias doesn't agree with me 
that he'd like to have a more experienced, albeit a higher ticket player, as the DH on the team or a part-time third baseman, something like so that. So would you, I mean, the guys that are, J.D. Martinez, Jorge Soler, I mean, guys that unfortunately are right-handed power hitters, and yeah. this is probably not the place anymore for a right-handed power hitter, you know, particularly one like J.D. Martinez who's getting up there. I, I'm not saying that all of his home runs would be gone in Baltimore. J, but. J.D.'s not the guy I would have wanted. I would have wanted Turner. Is a, is a player I really would have liked. So at this end. point, there's nobody that. There's, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, Soler's got prodigious power, but this isn't the right ballpark or or fit for him. I don't think. I, I how old is Soler at this Soler's point? Probably thirty four, probably thirty three wow, or still 30. that up there. I I knew he was. Uh, I didn't well, know. Let me let me. I, he's I not. He's obviously thirty one. Thirty one. Thirty one. Thirty one. Soler. Yeah. Um. So I plays not, like a thirty four year old. He is definitely an all-or-nothing guy. There's yeah, no question about that. He's going to be 32 in a couple weeks, so it'll be this will be his age 32 season. I, I'm. I guess what I would say is I still wouldn't be opposed to the Orioles adding that. Like if if you woke me up tomorrow right. morning and said, "Stan, get up," the Orioles signed J.D. Martinez. I, I'm not going to say, "Oh, why did right, they yeah, do it's that?" It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But you know, look, he had he shocked the shit out of me last year. To be honest with you, coming back with a season like that with the Dodgers. And and I I think it's it's not necessarily to me the right strategy to be looking for right-handed power hitters, but at some point you can't have nothing but lefties in your life. It can't be that now moving forward the Orioles only ever pursue left-handed hitters or left-handed power hitters. They're going to have to have some balance. Correct. Yeah. And they play 80 games, you know, on the road, yeah, right? Yeah. 100%. So I'm not going to say I'm opposed to it. It's not ideal. It's not one of those like, oh, this is a no-brainer. You definitely go out and get J.D. Martinez. But, yes, to the point, if at some point they wake up and they say, he's sitting there, we give him $12 bucks. we got him for this year, I'm, I'm going to say, all right, let's, let's go for it. Look, Ramon Urias has been a good story with the Orioles. But he's been a good story from where they went. We're moving on from players like Rio Ruiz and Pedro mm-hmm. Severino. He was a nice stopgap story for a couple seasons. He doesn't excite me being back on this roster this year. It's such an awkward thing because I was such a Ramon Arias fan. Like I really, I really was because I just love the way he plays. Yeah, I understand. And then I, I, I think I wrote about it last year. I dove into the advanced stats and I, the yeah. column that I was prepared to write about my joy of watching Ramon Arias was not backed up by the facts. Yeah, the facts said. He was not a good defensive player right. a year ago. I was and shocked that he went. Look, to to the to the human eye, he made some great plays two years ago, but I was somewhat stunned that he was the the uh, Gold Glove winner at third base. Um, I I I still like the way the guy plays, but yeah. Yeah, that was alarming. I'm trying to He's look at nice some of the guy. other He's Matt a nice Matt guy. Chapman also a right-hander. Is there anybody are there any left-handed bats? at all that are still available i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out if there's anything that would make sense you know Whit Whit merrifield is not a guy that you know because he plays the outfield Mm -hmm. he can play center field and left field be a little bit like an adam frazier was last year uh but steals you know yeah i think he could he could provide you an element of speed but can you have two of those guys on your roster right like obviously jorge mateo's Gonna, they're yeah. they love Jorge Mateo. Yeah. They're and by the way, you know, I love him too. I love him and too. he hits left-handers, so yep. 
there is a role for Jorge Mateo yeah. on the baseball team, but like if there's one, Cody Bellinger is the guy that I wasn't thinking about. That's obviously a left-handed hitter yeah. that's still available, but I, presumably, not gonna, yes, yeah, yeah. Cody Bellinger is still available because he's waiting for a Monster bonkers contract. deal yeah. that I I agree with you. I don't think the Orioles are going to provide. So. Michael Brantley, Joey Votto. Michael Brantley has announced his retirement. Oh, okay, good for him. Joey Votto's uh, not not that excited about Joey Votto. Trying to think about whether or not Joey Votto, um, be like the Vlad Guerrero, you know, Jim Tomey. Yeah, but that that didn't help at all. So, well, it, it you would, say that it would really undercut any belief yeah. that O'Hearn is going to, you know, I mean, that's the position O'Hearn has. Look, it, this is all this is all a bunch of BS. Eddie if, Rosario's out there as well. I don't. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's out there. That's a heck of a sound that yeah. Stan just made. Yeah, um, hey. this is all a bunch of BS. If Ryan Mountcastle would live up for a full season and be a monster, the Orioles would be one really, really dangerous team. You know, Eddie Rosario actually had a nice season last year. I didn't realize who did Eddie Rosario. Yeah. What do you do? What do you uh, with Atlanta, uh, right? Yeah, two fifty five, three hundred five, four fifty, four fifty right. were his slash lines. Twenty one home runs, seventy four RBI. He yeah. actually had a, he was a helpful piece a year ago. Now, are you definitely getting a helpful? I don't, I don't know. But he, yeah. a, after it looked like it was kind of over for Eddie Rosario in the years leading up look, to that, he look, actually. Look, the course of what they're going to do is made up with these prospects. You know, with Keston, uh, Heston Kerstad. Mm-hmm. Colton Kowser yep. and Jackson Holiday. So then, they're they're going to look to to make sure that if there is some seepage from Hayes, Mullins, or Santander, that these guys are going to get some opportunities. The next question becomes: Do you have a preference for? So Michael Elias said on the radio the other day that Jackson Holiday was going to do work at second base during spring training. If Jackson Holiday is on the team on on opening day or shortly thereafter. Do you have a preference for where those three guys play with those three positions primarily? I I think it's a little tough with the season Henderson had last year to just anoint Jackson Holiday on day one. You're the shortstop. I think Jackson Holiday's excitement level of being in the major leagues will far outweigh any snub that he feels. Like, Why am I not? Now, two years from now, he might feel frustrated because he really wants to play shortstop. But I don't detect that from – he comes from a baseball family. Um, if he's as good as he is offensively, he's not really going to lose any money by playing second base. You know, I guess the- I will throw out again. I had a talk with Omar Minaya about four year, three years ago after the Orioles drafted Holiday, and um, I said, you know – if if Mullins wasn't around, and by the way, Manaya was no longer GM of the Mets, mm-hmm. but he was back working with the Mets and very involved in their draft. And he, I asked him, I said, "What do you think of Holiday?" And he said, "We lo- we we thought we had a shot at him going into the season." He remember he was rumored to be like seven mm-hmm. to twelve mm-hmm. or something like that. He had that monster season that brought him to number one. He said, we really thought we had a chance, but it was er- early on we knew we were out of it. Right. I said, could he play center field? He goes in a, in a heartbeat. You know, That's, that's again, two years uh, from yeah, now, I'm assume... if Henderson is established as a shortstop, 
and Mullins ha- hasn't taken his career to another level. I'm going to assume that at this point, like, that's probably off the table, but... I mean, Mookie Betts is... Well, I'm not... Like, I'm not Robin se- Yount went from right. being not, a shortstop not, to I'm a center fielder. By no means saying it's impossible. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that at this point it's probably off the table, but I, it speaks to his athleticism. I guess the question for me is, who are you best... Su- I, I feel like second base is more important than third base to me. And are you better suited with Jackson Holiday at second base or Jordan Westberg at second base? And that's sort of the like I, I have no problem with, hey, we want to see what Jackson Holiday looks like at second base because if he can play it at a high level, bully, you know, like that's a win for everybody. But I don't know that the answer to that question yet. And I do think second base is really important, which is why the Orioles were inclined to bring in a veteran a year ago. Yep. And I don't want second base to be an experiment. Um, and certainly not for someone who's trying to develop. I'm more inclined to say Jackson Holiday's bat is so important to this team that have him play a position where he is uber comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if he's not uber comfortable at second base, I would say just let Jordan Westberg play there and then figure it out between Jackson Holiday and Gunnar Henderson. Well, you've it, got the the one thing out of this conversation. What is their best defensive setup in the infield? Would be Westberg at second, Holiday at short. Gunner and third. get Gunner over to third, where he most likely is going to end up. He's going to end up, yeah, I think, ultimately too big. Right. But you know what? We watched Cal Ripken play an amazing shortstop, and he was too big. And he wasn't the only one. We, yeah. you know, obviously that ushered in an era, era of, of bigger shortstops yeah. for a little while. And yeah. so it's totally possible, to your point, that Gunner could continue playing there for a long time. I am not as I am I am far more cautious about the back end of the bullpen that you are. Like I would I would say it's a real concern for me. Now mm-hmm. they can prove otherwise and we talked about Dylan Tate who could still be a factor in all of that and it'll be interesting. I, I'm expecting Tate we left him out earlier. Yep. I think his comeback is vitally important because he actually could step in in front of Cano and Wells to be that setup guy, sure, and the guy that gets some save opportunities if he's really healthy, because he was really good in 2022. Uh, ext- there's no doubt that he was very good in 2022, and if he can reclaim that form, then it would very much go a long way to assuaging my concerns. You know what's about funny about Tyler Wells? Remember when he was the closer? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the whole season no. or anything. How many saves do you think he had? Do you remember? Eight. I thought it was going to be like 11 or 12. Yeah. I think he's got five major yeah. league saves. Yeah, I didn't think it was that much. Yeah. I didn't think that was the yeah. case. But I still think he's his. he throws strikes, he strikes out a lot of hitters, and they just his whip is tremendous. So being in that role in the seventh and eighth innings, an occasional save, I think he's going to be vitally important. I, I to this still, team. I still think it's interesting, just because we haven't heard from them internally, whether they say yes, that could be valuable to us, but we still think that he can be a high-level starting pitcher. Yeah, and because of that, we're not as inclined to just commit him to that role as much as we're going to kind of have six starters, and they might take turns. It might be that I, I just wonder how they internally are approaching that. Look, if Tate is is really lights out and healthy and Cano yeah. is picks up kind of yeah. not where he left off at the end of the year but is is good, not mm-hmm. unbelievable. 
then Wells could free up to do that, you know. But I just think the way this staff looks to me right now, and with a, a few arms coming, Ann Brewster, um, Seth Johnson, Povich. Cade Povich, um, Chase McDermott, mm-hmm. who, don't forget that name. Mm-hmm. He could be up in mid-May, mm-hmm. wherever there's a need, whether it's a starter I, I, or a reliever. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if going into a season, the guy that, like, if somebody gets hurt, presumably Tyler, if if we're casting Tyler Wells into the bullpen or he's saying he's the odd man out right now, if somebody gets hurt during spring training, we assume Tyler Wells is the fifth guy in the rotation. So do you want to commit to him in a, bull, a defined bullpen role when if somebody were to get hurt in the second week of the season, he would be the guy... Are we going to go through this like loading, deloading, bizarre nature, or would you rather I think have you've him? You've got the freedom in spring training to have him prepare as if he's a starter the first two or three times. Mm-hmm. You know, where what's the difference if he's pitching two innings? You know, then up to three, and then you decide now nah, we need him in the bullpen. Dylan Tate's cropped up. You know, um, the, the one of the guys that worries me a little bit is I, I have. A lot of faith in CNL Perez after watching him battle through his problems early last season to be as dominant as he was is Coulomb. I think the Orioles now sort of treat him like, "Hey, we got we got Danny Coulomb." Like, like, yeah. I, and I like Coulomb. I love the way he pitched last year, but but let's pump our brakes on the fact that he's going to be a great left-hander out of the bullpen. Goose Flights is available all over the region. You can get it in cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, all of the Glory Days Grill locations here in the state of Maryland. Also available in cans at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton, as well as Alonzo's. I didn't on, know we were available there. Now available in cans. Also Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Cans and six-packs at Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North and Costas Inn in Dundalk. And uh, six packs and cases available at the wine source in Hamden. What a great bunch of partners! Seriously. Absolutely, we love yeah. love these. Hopefully, if, they're pumping them out. And uh, I've heard they've been very the glory days. They've been very. They, they, if you walk into this glory days right across the street from us, they have this awesome signage right as soon as you walk in. That's eye catching, and people are like, "Wait, really? I didn't know about this." Yep. And so that's a very cool thing. Um, when you buy a can of Goose Flights Lager, one ninety eight of that purchase is going to the Goose Flights Foundation and the work they're doing to provide non-emergency medical transport to those who are in need. The cans are $17 a piece, Yeah, I don't believe that's the case whatsoever. (laughs) I know beer is costly these days. I'm glad beer didn't cost this much when I was a young man. It would have been a lot lot more difficult for me. Maybe it would have been better for me if that was the case. But um, Goose Flights Lager, it's delicious brew. It's a collector's can. And it's going to a really good cause. So find out more, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. And we are starting to get into the back end of the first run of Goose Flights. So we'll see what that means moving forward. But don't wait if you haven't tried it yet. You show up with a sixer or a case to the big game party that you're going to on Sunday, you're going to be a hero because there's going to be people that are going to be like, wait, what? What's that? I didn't know anything about it. They're going to be excited about it. So go get yours today. When we come back in, Buck Showalter, perhaps you've heard of him. I'm familiar with his work, and I'm a fan. We're going to talk to him next here on GCR. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson, and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com guilford hall brewery european tradition baltimore charm make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today there's so much focus on sports betting these days but i want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat the costas inn is no gamble at all the quality on their menu is outstanding and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR into hour number two of a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles is here. When's Buck calling? Well, uh, earlier. We had to do this a little bit earlier uh, because of uh, his schedule. But whenever Buck Showalter says he'll take some time for us, we say we'll work around your schedule. Good to catch up with him. So an opportunity to chat with Buck Showalter. Turned out to be a very lengthy chat. So uh, settle in for a minute. Buck Showalter here on GCR. 
Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with our next guest, of course, uh, former manager of the Baltimore Orioles, amongst others. And he's been doing the media rounds recently, and I'm guessing that probably means he's going to be on this side of the microphone again before too long. He is the great Buck Showalter, and he's back with us here on GCR. Buck, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. How are you guys doing? Glenn, Stanley, it's... uh... Long time no talk um, to. Long time no talk well, to. Well, we've both been busy, but that's no excuse. I love how everybody acts like they're so busy. None of us are that busy, right, Stan? Yeah, that's exactly right. Always oh, exactly send a text. Right. It's not that hard. I blame I blame Stan. That's what I would say it's his fault more. <laughs> I guess I think Stan and we're all used to being blamed for something, right? Yeah, it's I get blamed for everything. Uh, we we want to talk that's some right. some baseball. I got a lot of want to talk, but I, I guess let's get caught up with you because I say I assume that we're going to see on this side of the microphone because you're just so stinking good at it. Um, is that in the plans? Are you are you done with that? Where are you at as far as media is concerned at this point? Well, you know, I'm, I, I've got some uh, opportunities, whatever. I'm, I'm considering them and, and seeing, and it's always uh, uh, humbling to, to think that somebody thinks you could bring something, but I'm considering some, some options right now and uh, – We'll see where it takes us. Let's leave it leave it like that. But there's there's some good things out there, and you know some people that uh, unfortunately people are talking a lot about our game, especially this time of year, huh? Buck, uh, at your age, I think you're 67 years old right now. Do you think you've managed your last game, or do you still burn to get another opportunity to do this? Well, Stan, I, I don't stay up at night about it. I, there's not a day goes by I don't realize how blessed and honored. You know, I've come from a little bitty public school in northwest Florida and get a chance to do some of the things and be around things. I, I don't, you know, where life takes me and where baseball takes me, it's I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I uh, what's the old expression? You want to make God laugh? Tell him about your plans. I, I don't really control <laughs> it. You know, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of good people you know, in the game now that are capable of doing the job as well, if not better. And, and you just have respect for that. And uh, you don't go around covet, coveting other people's jobs. Um, I hope nobody ever gets fired. It, it's cruel and it's it's tough. And so, you know, we'll see. I uh, uh, have some things I'm considering right now. So we'll see where it takes me. As far as that goes, though, Buck, is there any doubt at your age right now? I've said that I'm five years older than you. I'm 72. Do you still feel that you're as sharp as ever managing a baseball game? Oh, I don't know, Stan. That'd be for somebody else to judge you. We all have uh, high opinions of ourselves, but we also, you know, I, I realize how hard the job is and how, you know, the more it changes, though, the more it stays the same. You still got to do the same thing. It's about relationships and you know, the best organizations are the ones that have a real close relationship between the front office ownership and the manager and the coaches for that matter. And, and everybody pulls together and it's a tough job as it is. And and you have to have respect for what everybody brings, you know, what someone might bring say analytically or sabermetrically is different from what a manager and coaches do. And, and, you know, you welcome all the information and at the same time, when the game starts, you're kind of on an Island down there. So, you know, I have a lot of confidence in, in what I bring, but I also realize there are other people capable of bringing it, too. Buck, I wonder, I don't think you and I have just ever had a conversation. Obviously, you know, last year you were managing, and before that, the Orioles weren't particularly good. 
Um, I wonder what you've thought of the job that Brandon's done. And I've said a bunch of times, I, I get it. The players probably have the most direct response and the most direct impact on wins and losses. But seeing the culture that exists in Baltimore, and I, it's hard for me to believe that happens in spite of the manager. And I, I don't know, I think pretty fondly of the job that Brandon Hyde has done. Yeah, you know, I spoke with Brandon when I when I first left there, and, and made you know you always want to make somebody's path easier instead of harder, and, and uh, I thought he was a good hire at the time. I, I love his path. You know, I talk a lot about the path. A lot of people want to go from A to Z without going through the process, and you know, uh, Brandon, if you look at his resume, I mean, he did a lot of things to. You, know, you have to fail sometimes. You have to be around minor league players. You have to be around winter ball and different things that go on to understand the, the culture that has to be created. And every job's different. You don't just put a, a blueprint over everything. You adjust to them. And sometimes the best coaching and managing you do is what you don't do because you got to know when the timing is right and know each player is differently. The game has a heartbeat. Players, they're not all the same, but, you know, the it's one thing to have a lot of high draft picks. It's one, the ability to pick those guys and then do you have the culture and the situation to put them in where they can be the best they can be and uh you know it's obvious that that they've done that you know the toughest time is not necessarily where they are now it's the next step it's Mm -hmm. you know you're not going to sneak up on anybody you're not the little engine that could anymore and now you're not going to sneak up on anybody but you know what plays talent plays and they're very talented and I think they're ready for the, the challenge of, of people kind of laying in the weeds for them and, and being ready for, you know, listen, we played 162 games. There are no Cinderella's. You, you just, all your strengths and weaknesses show up in a baseball season, your depth. And now their depth is, is coming from within. And that, that's a good situation for a team when your depth comes from within your organization, instead of having to go out and search the waiver wire and make some trades that might, be painful uh, and, you know, and using the ways to acquire players and you're able to really create a, a we, so to speak, approach. And, and, you know, knowing, you know, Stan, you know, it was very big for us in Baltimore to know who we are and know who yeah. you're not. You're not going to do some of the things the Yankees are doing or the Red Sox or the Dodgers. And, and you got to know who you are and how you're going to do it. And you don't confuse the players. And more importantly, you don't confuse the fans. We all know the support that the Orioles will get if you, if you put the product on the field. And uh, I'm happy for them. Buck, the uh, Corbin Burns trade, uh, what does this do for the locker room? What does it do for the overall pitching staff and for Brandon, knowing he's got really one horse that he can probably get 200 innings out of? Well, I don't want to jinx them, you know, because somebody's done something in the past doesn't mean it's going to exactly happen that way. I mean, look at Verlander, look at Scherzer, look at, yeah. you know, we had so, so many injuries last year, but, uh, you know, he's a horse and have that, that, that guy that kind of anchors everything, you know, and you can work around that, so to speak a little bit and you can mix and match some and it uh, just, uh, just having that guy that's been there and is capable of doing those things and the example that he will set. You know, Mark Kekis was a guy that, and, and Adam, and there were two completely different guys, but the example they set, you know, when your best players do it right, it makes it real easy for the manager. You know, if your best players don't play the game right, you you got a tough road to hoe. 
And, uh, you know, Burns does it right. He's going to post up and he's going to get deep in games when he's healthy. And all indications are that he is. And But that's what happens when you have the depth in your organization. You can acquire those players. Buck Showalter is with us here on GCR. Bucky, bring up the injuries you guys went through a year ago. And it's interesting to me, as you know, there's an upcoming ownership change here in Baltimore. And the fan base is, of course, okay, now it's time to go out and spend, spend, spend. And we've been waiting for this. Um, You know that spending doesn't always translate into winning. Um, What's the line for you as far as where a team should be doing things internally, versus going out and and spending more and bringing guys in from the outside? Is there a perfect line for what works in order for a team to have success? Well, that's the, that's the line that every general manager and, and owner are always walking. You know, once again, I'm going to tell you, you got to know who you are and how you're going to have to do it. Don't confuse players. Don't confuse fans. It's, it's just, uh, you know, there's a good blueprint by some clubs. Houston comes to mind. You know, Houston drafted early for a long time, yeah, mm-hmm. but they got it right. Yep. They got it right. And the question you're, you're asking yourself is, are you going to retain those players as they get older? And that's, you know, the new ownership coming in, I don't know that much about it, but, you know, you can tell they have a passion for Baltimore and the organization. That's key. You know, the previous ownership, they were great to me. Peter was, was great to me. I had a good relationship with him. And, um, uh, I know how much the Orioles meant to him and his family. And um, I, I know and I, I feel like the, the next group will be the same way. You know? So they're going to be willing to do the things that are needed, but you're always going to look from within before you, you do something else. We spend so much time coveting other teams' players and forget sometimes the answer might be in our own backyard. And there's a great morale that comes out of that in an organization when players know in the minor leagues that you're going to look to them first. I feel like Stan and I, but what we liked so much about the Corbin Burns acquisition is that we think the old ownership group could have made this acquisition, right? This wasn't taking on a $300 million contract or something along those lines. Is it fair to say that once you have the nucleus, and clearly the Orioles currently, as you guys did a decade ago, appear to have that nucleus, that just a little bit, a little bit of a boost in terms of spending and adding a couple of outside pieces can go a very long way and maybe be the difference in being good versus winning a World Series. Sure. You, you know, anything that eliminates excuses, I, I think, is always good. You know, you, you want to make sure the problems you have are self-inflicted. that aren't self-inflicted, I should say. You know, you've got enough challenges during a season. So I think there's a little, uh, okay, you know, we're willing to, to do it. And, you know, are you guys willing to continue down the path you are? I think you send a good message there. But it's still about, you know, production between the lines. You know, you got all these things that look a certain way in the off season. Then all of a sudden the season starts. And, uh, you know, we always seem to want to know things before they happen. I'm okay waiting because the game has a way of uh, exposing all your strengths and weaknesses. And believe me, Baltimore's got a lot of strengths. And uh, I know the American League East wasn't too fond of them acquiring Burns. (laughs) Hey, Buck, um... I was looking over your resume and prep for this just to get the years right and all. You know, it's it's interesting. I still think of you in a lot of ways as a longtime Yankee manager. You only managed the Yankees four years. I think the Diamondbacks three, Texas three or four, and then you were here for eight and a half years. 
Does Baltimore hold, I know this is a corny, cliched question, does Baltimore hold a special spot in your heart for for your baseball career? Oh, without a doubt. You know, even three or four years, Stan, you know, but being in a place eight and a half years, you know, how would I say it? Take a picture. It's not going to happen much yeah. uh, anymore in today's sports world. It's uh, what have you done for me lately? Instant gratification. And, and that's part of the gig. You know it going in. You know that, you know, life like sports is not always fair. But, um, no, without a doubt, Baltimore, I mean, we, we committed completely to that community and, and loved our time there. We were treated great. And uh, I have great memories there. I, heck, I talked to Zach Brick. Britain for almost an hour yesterday, just talking mm. and, you know, uh, at I spoke, I speak to Adam, you know, we had guys like I hear from Manny now and then, you know, Manny's getting ready to have a, his first child. Wow. His cool. First child. Wow. And, uh, and a little boy. And, uh, I don't know, John scope, you run into these guys and you realize that, uh, you know, we're not getting out of this alive. And you, you look back on the way you treated people and the way they treated you. And you want to have a clear conscience about it, but, Everybody's trying to do the job. We're all getting along. I just want everybody to be happy and and realize that uh, nobody's got all the answers. So I, I, you bring up both Adam and Zach, and I think everybody saw you were on with Adam the other day on foul territory and having fun because Zach had just been on afterwards. I was fascinated by the quote that you used when they brought it up. You used the quote, and, and you can tell me where it comes from because I apologize. I've already forgotten. The be careful about telling truths that hurt innocent people quote when you were being asked about 2016 in Toronto because I feel like Orioles fans were like is Buck trying to say there's something we don't know about that 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 he's not willing to tell everybody yet and, and maybe it'll come up in a book one day I don't you know I've, I've been approached about a book the book that they want to write me is you know the one I would write they wouldn't want to write they want something that's got all these bells and whistles and all these things you know we're all you guys have things that you keep to yourself no no Zach there's no there's no a smoking gun, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I one day I'll I'll tell the whole thing, I guess, but it doesn't matter. You know, Zach and I uh, know what went down and the whole reasons. And, and believe me, there's a lot of things going to decisions. But um, no, I, I just you know, as you go down to press conferences every day, you know, one of the, I I give advice to managers now and then when they ask. I said, you know, I never read anything and I didn't listen to anything. You know, I want to interact with these people every day before and after games. And uh, you just, you know, you, you have to protect certain things that is, people are innocent about things. And, and you don't have to blab out everything to make yourself look better. You know, the, if you look up the description of a manager or a head coach, it'll say you have to wear it. There's so many things you just have to wear yeah. because that's the nature of the beast. You know, I, I was kidding with John Harbaugh one time. He was kidding me. I said, John, I said, you guys meet with the media, what, once a week? And then you have an off week? I said, we do it twice a day for seven months. <laughs> I said, you know, some, and if you think you have to invent something to say, you're going to say something really stupid. <laughs> but you do realize that people are listening and, and, and players are listening and, and uh, families of players are listening and, you think about the impact your words have on other human beings instead of being selfish about it and trying to make yourself look better. I, I'm always fascinated. I remember that you established a relationship with John Harbaugh uh, years ago. Um, has that continued? Have you stayed in? Did you reach out to him after the AFC? When 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 guys like because Stan's been killing him, Buck. Stan's been all. Actually, Why? Why Stan? Why Stan? Uh, I've 
I've ceased to believe we'll ever win a Super Bowl with him. I just I've have you ever? Have we ever? Yeah, we won one yeah. under Brian Billick. We won one under one 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 under John, and we won. Okay, so, we so won. Why will that not happen again with John? Uh, I just uh, I've watched the way he's changed? coached. I've watched the way he's coached the last seven or eight years. I just don't have the faith in him. Okay, well you have that right to I, feel I, that way. I, I think do. the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens and the city are are extremely lucky to have him, and uh, it's one of those guys you won't know what you got until he's gone. It's a great organization. I've been I've gone out to practices when Ozzy was there and watch how they do business and the way they treat players and the way they draft players and there's a reason why they've had you know uh, most cities would kill to have the the success that the Baltimore Ravens have had for an extended period of time and, and it doesn't come without uh, quality people making good decisions. Buck, I want to talk to you for a moment about another legendary uh, Baltimore coach or manager. Uh, we were talking, you were talking to Glenn about a, a book, or he asked you about a book. Uh, you know, there's a book being written about Earl. Has anybody contacted you oh, about really? that? Oh, I wish they would. A guy, I'm having lunch with him on uh, Monday. His name is John Miller. No relationship to the John Miller that broadcasts Boy, games. wouldn't that be yeah. something yeah. I would read that Man. Yeah, yeah. but um, I think he's pretty far along on it, but I'll certainly get him in touch with you. Uh, when I have lunch with him Monday, a couple of us local guys are going to have uh, lunch with him. But I wanted to ask you about Earl. That was not just window dressing that you you really relished the time you had with Earl as a Baltimore manager. Is there anything you really learn from him? Because Earl's old saying is, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Oh, I, believe me, I, I, I've used that quote many times with, with coaches and staff meetings and stuff that, you know, we used to sit around and we were, you know, putting the fundamentals together and we'd have a coach from another organization would say, how'd you do it there? How did you do a cutoff and relay with a man on first down the right to a corner? How'd you do uh, your bunt defense? How'd you run your pickoff timing? And you always pick something up, a better way to do things. And, but you know, I say walking Earl around our drills is still one of the highlights of my time there. Yeah. And just watching him, uh, especially after that second cup of coffee, get going and hopping out of the <laughs> cart and talking about backdoor pickoff plays and different stuff. And I don't know if you remember, Stan, we, we ran one of Earl's pickoff plays in spring training that day because I told him it was coming. He was sitting next to the dugout. And they used to have a, a pickoff system where they would put five down, which – told the pitcher that the pickoff was on, and then they would, they would put, very simply, put 5-1. That's a backdoor pick at first with the first baseman behind the runner. 5-2, and then he'd point to the shortstop or second baseman. I know this because when we played against them in double-A AA and triple-A, their whole minor leagues were running the same thing. And we ran that pickoff play, and he got so excited. It was almost like a tribute to him. And uh, nowadays, in today's world, with all the cameras and stuff, it, everybody would pick up on it. But you know, he simplified things. You know, something he told me, and, and I, I remember uh, Arlo Guthrie. Remember Arlo Guthrie, the, the folk singer? Absolutely. You know, he, he said, any fool can make something complicated. It takes a genius to make it simple. And that's really coaching. You know, these things are pretty, some of these things are pretty complicated. It can be, but your ability to make it simple for the players is, it takes a lot of ability. And uh, Earl, Earl took some complicated things and made it simple, you know, and, he, he'd love the base on balls, Kenny Singleton stuff, and 
you know, they act like some of this on base percentage is something new. I know we were pushing it in New York with Gene Michael and uh, Earl was big on on base percentage and he kept up with it. And I copied a lot of things I saw him doing and we all did. We, we, we take something from everybody, but the way he treated me and, and his time with us in spring training, it was special. Uh, Stan. He was and, uh, a, he we was named a f- the field down there after him. Yeah. I know what that meant to him. He was a funny, funny guy. By the way, the Orioles oh, just the Orioles just named their press box after Jim Henneman, who's still alive. Oh, great. Still alive, but it's forever now going to be known as the Jim Henneman press box. You know, I get, I still, someone sends me his articles. I get them, I read them, and they're always entertaining and, and insightful. Jim, uh, he's 87, he's 87 years old, Buck. And he's still yeah, as sharp he, as anybody right in baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's a great tribute. That's very appropriate. I'm glad they did that. Yeah. Buck, uh, who's your favorite folk musician of all time? I actually, I really wanted, I, I've never, you, I, this is the type of stuff I need to know from you, that you're an Arlo Guthrie guy. <laughs> who's like, give me. Well, you know, I, hey, I, I can tell you the, the, some of the rappers too. Believe me, you better be up to date. So what do you, what do you listen to <laughs> these days, Buck? Like, give me, did, I, don't, I don't know I if don't you watch know. like Grammys or not. Like, what are you listening to? You know, I watched some of the Grammys. I tell you, the Tracy Chapman, unbelievable. Thing was, uh, and Luke Combs, I'd oh never, I'd never heard of him before. He's fantastic. But, but, oh, I have. He can, yeah, he, he can sing. Can sing. Like, pull, hey, Earl, pull up his national anthem sometime. They're all. I, I tell you, there's everybody's got. You know, there's you embrace everything. I mean, there's talent all over the place. Yeah, my wife likes watching the Grammys, and you know, there were some people on there I didn't know who they were, but that I mean, they're not talented. Are you, I don't. I, are, are you a Swifty? Are you a Taylor Swift fan? I got to tell you something. The whole thing with her and Kelsey doesn't bother me. I mean, good gosh, she's not doing interviews. She's not asking them to put the camera on her. Right. I mean, I don't know what the big deal is. Thank goodness they're winning. And uh, <laughs> can't we all just get along and be happy for people? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is it that big a deal? Hey, hey Buck, I got to ask you. Uh, of, I know we're running short on time. But of all the rule changes last year, which one did you like the most? I like the ones that the fans like. How's that for an answer? That's you know, a that's, good answer. It, that's why we're all here. Yep. That's why we're all here. It's you know, who are we just because we did things a certain way? You know, I, I've always prided myself on making adjustments to some of the new things along the way, and uh, staying true to you know some things you have to do absolutes to be successful, but. Uh, yeah, I think the tempo of the game picking up has been big for fans. And yep. There's also a part of the game that people love time between between pitches to talk about things. Yep. Or, but I love that we've shortened the game some, and uh, you know, there's some some. I think the players will make the adjustments. We see the young kids that come up; they don't have any problems with it because they've been. Some of the veteran guys had a little trouble with it, but you know, my guy Scherzer tried to use it to to his advantage, but. Um, I just I, I wish they would be a little more on point about the quality control of some of the facilities. I know Peter uh, was very adamant. We were very adamant about making Sarasota the safest ballpark in spring training, and some of the you know some of the lack of consistency in the the quality and the safety of some of the ballparks mm-hmm. and the dugouts and the clubhouses and the bullpens. I, I, I'd love to have a quality control guy that went around and, and had certain minimum standards that like, I got to tell you, Stan, you saw it. We didn't take some guys on the road because yep. I just didn't think the facilities were yep. safe to take our guys on the road. Yep. But I remember going back and spent, Peter spent a bunch of money to pad the fences and the foul poles and the, and the 
the area around the dugout, we put a, a, a area up where the guys couldn't fall in the dugout and, you know, that, that costs money. And we were willing to do the things. We knew that when our guys played at our ballpark in Sarasota, one, the fans were going to see the Marquecas and the Jones play when they came to Sarasota. It's a great facility. And it was going to be a safe environment for our guys to get ready in. Buck, I know you're also the, the one guy that was on this 10 years ago about the unfairness of September roster expansion. Mm. Oh, and yes. you finally got it through what you, what you like. Well, you know, let's put it this way. I don't think Terry Francona would have lost his job in Boston if we hadn't had 38 <laughs> guys on the roster. And I could pitch I could pitch a left, a right, a left, a right the whole game long, and it's five hours. And I, I remember after the last game was over and they got eliminated, and I knew something was going to probably happen. I, I, felt, I, I felt like, I remember saying to myself, if we didn't have 38-man roster, we couldn't have competed with those guys. And I just don't think that's fair. Yeah, I think you know you, you compete a certain way the whole year, and we should try to mirror it. I personally think we should figure out a way to have all teams play all teams. You know, play mm-hmm. you play every team in baseball three times at home and three times on the road, and then at the end of the year we have faced the same competition. Let's face it, the American League East people are facing a different competition than say the American League Central. Yep. And anybody that says that's not the case is just not being realistic. You know, we're all competing for one thing together, and that's the wild card. So why should we be rewarded with a wild card if we're not facing the same competition that another team is facing? I'm going to promise you this is it. Last one, Buck Showalter. You've been right, hey, you're amazing, Buck. I, got time. I, I appreciate it, but we don't want to steal <laughs> all of it. Um, I, in the next print issue of Pressbox that we're going to do, uh, Stan and I and some of the other uh, local writers here were asked if we would give our thoughts, not that it matters, but our thoughts of advice that we would offer to the new Orioles ownership about what matters here what what can allow you to be successful as the owner of the Baltimore Orioles? I wonder if there's any one thing that would jump out at you and say, this is important to lead the Baltimore Orioles. You should know this. Uh, I, I think you got you got to understand the fan base. It, there's such a pure love uh, and deep-seated roots of people that it's been handed down from generation to generation. And just be sincere. Be You know, ha- have... And, and be open about it and, and let the fans see that you care as much about them being good as they do because nobody cares more about their teeth than Oriole fans. And they just want you to, to, to put a product on the field that they can trust. You know, it, it's such a, when you buy a club, you're basically taking the trust of all those fans that venture down to Camden Yards. And when you're playing at midnight on the West Coast against Seattle Mariners, they're up there and going to be sleep deprived the next day at work because it matters to them. As long as they know it really matters to you, you're going to be fine because they will sniff out a phony there in a heartbeat. And uh, it's like baseball. There's, you know, you're going to know everything there is to know about a player or coach and a manager over the course of the season. So just be yourself and be sincere. How's that? That that was perfect, Buck. And I would say that night in Seattle was one of our favorite nights watching baseball no up until it. all hours. No we love that it. night. I don't know about Stan. I don't know about you, but you, you slip in a nap here or there to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, right. At my age, at my age, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. certainly do. Stan's actually a night owl, so he was good anyway. He was going to be up that night no matter what. Well, he's, he's getting some sleep somewhere to get that energy he's got. 
We uh, thank you, Buck. We, hey, it's a long time. Uh, please again tell Angela I said hello. All right. Well, we've got we've got a little place up there. We might be around more. We're going to be. Uh, we would so. love that. We'd we would lo- love. We'd love. In fact, more. we're going to be in touch. We'd like to try to make an event happen. If that's something that we could do, we'd love to do something with you. If that's something that we could put on the table, Buck Show Walter. It's always a thrill. Thank you for taking the time for us. Let's talk again well, real soon. I, I, well, I appreciate the kindness, kindness everybody's always shown me and my family. So God bless all of you. Take care. Boy, he is the best, isn't he? I know. I God, everybody's gonna get sick of me saying somebody's the best. It's yeah, falling into a trope, but he's like pretty good. Jeez, Buck good. Showalter, and what an answer there at the end. You know, a lot of times, I I don't know. You know that. They know they know better than I do. They know what they're doing. Man, that was such a thoughtful answer yeah. about, you know, and, and it's a small thing. And it, 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 again, we're going to be doing this in this next print issue. You can still get this best of issue. It's still available for a few more days. Um, and then the new print Actually issue. to the 21st. 21st. Yeah, we're coming out on the 21st with the new issue. So one of the things that we're doing in the new print issue is we're offering this advice to David Rubenstein and their, their group about things that matter. And Stan and I have talked privately this week about some of the things that we have included. And we wanted to, we didn't want it to just be groupthink, go out and spend a bunch of money. We wanted right. to have more Those thoughtful. Those are the obvious, you know, low-hanging fruit. Correct. Of like, uh, go go extend uh, Gunner, uh, Jackson Holiday, Corbin Burns. by the way, Burns. yes. Yes. Like, yes. yes. But he doesn't go, need our advice. Go do that, that 100%. Right. But we wanted to have some more thoughtful answers about things that we also think matter. And, you know, Stan presented one to me that I hadn't thought about at all, and I thought it was really interesting. I said one back to Stan. I was like, you know, in a way that's kind of similar to something that I'm including in mine. Um, And I think that, Buck, it sounds simplistic, but I think it's very thoughtful, which is just that first statement that David Rubenstein put out saying we want to win the World Series. It guarantees nothing. Nothing. It's such a small thing, though, to say we will tie ourselves to that being the standard. Measure us against that being our priority. Not about... All due respect, I'm not trying to pile on John Angelos. No one wants to hear about the books. No one. You can't win that with a fan base. It's just impossible. It doesn't mean it's not true. It's just no one wants to hear it ever within a fan base. Other than the local writers. Yeah, they they would like to see the books 100%. But trying to argue for budget and constraint, you're arguing for yourself. That fu- no one else has any interest in hearing that it's whatsoever. Not a, it's not a win. You're right. You're and right. so just, it, it still matters. It's still reality. And David Rubenstein's group will have to deal with it the same way the last group had to deal with it. All of these, like, as much as we want to believe that David Rubenstein would be up for just losing hundreds of millions of dollars in the name of winning, it's not going to quite be that. But don't, we don't need to talk about that. That's, you're not going to win that way. Buck Showalter, I want to trust. This fan base wants to trust in what it is that you're doing and the team that you're putting out there that you have the best interest of the fan base in mind. Small thing, thoughtful, thoughtful answer. And referencing that night in Seattle, I appreciate that, right? Because Buck didn't – Buck was at a game. He had to worry about winning the game that night. But undoubtedly, it meant something to him 
to hear all of the stories of oh, Orioles what fans they were doing four staying in the correct. We were all sitting around tweeting about the game until beyond the late hours of the night until literally the early hours of the morning the next day. And you can clearly tell. it's it, We didn't bring it up. Buck brought up, it's cool to me that he still has that type of feeling about that moment, which wasn't winning a championship. It wasn't a walk-off home run. It wasn't. It was just a fun night that Orioles fans shared together. And for him to reference that of th- this is the group of people that we're talking about is, I think, a really cool thing. Yeah. I think it speaks to Buck, obviously. It shows he gets it. Yep, you know, 100%. He gets, he gets what it's all about. Stan the Van Charles is in studio with us on a Friday edition of GCR. As I mentioned, that print issue is still available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, and you can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. And neat for Buck to say that uh, he's going to be spending more time in the area. Maybe that leads into the Masson idea. Maybe... If he's going to be hanging out. The buckometer. I would love, uh, man, how the cool. Buckometer. How buckometer. Cool, how cool would it be to have Buck do a, a, just even a handful of games, right? Like, Talk even about a. Embarrassment of riches in the booth as well. God. Like, if they, oh, they let him and Ben work games together, or him and Palmer work. Oh, man. Oh, or him and Adam, right? I love, I love the concept of him and Adam. Him and Adam would be a 10 and a half. Would be a 10 and a half. Now, the problem might be. You, you almost don't even want to watch the game. You just want to listen to those guys tell stories. <laughs> now, it's funny. Did you, we haven't talked about this yesterday. Late last night, I was looking at MLB trade rumors. There's a story that's broken that apparently in this sale, there's the possibility that Major League Baseball would take away Masson yeah. owning the rights I, I don't to know, the I don't know if take game. away is the right way. Of, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I think it was more... Try to it come would to break, an amicable. It would, break it, it would break it in part. What you know. what what kind of agreement could we come up with? Yeah. I, I I don't want to give away one of my um, things with David Rubenstein is whatever Masson ultimately becomes, whatever that is, Baltimore centric, Baltimore centric, and so in a way, to me, I think a lot of people around here would love the idea of the Nationals no longer being involved. Now, I don't know how that impacts the value of the Orioles and what they do to make... This still goes back to there is a reason why this was part of it to begin with. And how do you make up for that? What does Major League Baseball do for the next ownership group to say, if if you thought the value of the franchise was because you're also getting the Nationals' TV rights... Well, we got to deal with that, right? Like, is the franchise less valuable if the Nationals' TV rights aren't a part of it? Some people have argued that the number that the Rubenstein Group is paying for the Orioles is low based on what their valuation was. Is that because part of the number was accepting that the Nationals' TV rights might not be a part of this thing moving forward? And that's the reason why, instead of it being north of $2 billion, which is what Forbes and a lot of other people had valued the Orioles at, the number only ended up being, I say only, only, only ended up being, I don't know, I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Look, it's been an issue, there's no doubt that it's been an issue, and baseball would like for it to go away, but how do you clean that up? It's interesting to me because years ago, and I'm pretty sure it was John Moog, told me that the the Masson 
could not really be sold, you know, in the breakdown, that that was never the intent to give Peter an incredibly valuable property that they could sold, you know. That this deal would only be if Peter owned the, like... Because he was the one that was owner. No, it's not tied to Peter okay. directly, and it may be that it couldn't be sold separate of the ball club. I may be confusing what I knew back then, but I never could confirm that. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Look, I don't think any or there won't be a single Orioles fan that would lose sleep about the idea of the Nationals no longer being involved with the network that the Orioles, I think most Orioles fans would say it's been a nuisance to them. Now, on the flip side, there are, in D.C., a lot more people that are actually interested in both teams Yeah, that either grew up or spent most of their life as Orioles fans, and then the Nationals came along and they said, well, I don't want to just trade in all of the time that I have spent in my life rooting for the Orioles, so... I'm going to kind of root for both like that. That is a in D.C. That's real. So there might be people in D.C. that would say that'd be a bummer for me because I like to watch the Orioles. I I follow both teams. Yeah. In Baltimore, none of that. In Baltimore, the Nationals thing has been largely a nuisance to Orioles fans. You know, years ago, the forced, you know, three man booths, the the split booths, which stunk. And they finally got rid of those. But. You know, I, I, I want to watch a show about the Orioles. I don't want to watch a show about two baseball teams because I don't care about the other baseball team. It is irrelevant to me. Um, the programming has not always been Orioles-centric. So it's weird. In Baltimore, that would be a thumbs up. In D.C., I don't know what the response would be. Um, obviously, the Nationals would be very happy about it. They would prefer yeah. it. We, we often forget that the purpose of the creation of Masson was to – Pay Peter yep. for taking Losing the market, a, a, taking yep. a part of the market away from him. I, we're so far down the line from that now that I think perhaps it's it's time to just break it apart. I don't and let the Orioles, not the Orioles, sink or 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 drown. Right. It just they're gonna they're gonna be fine. The Orioles, you know. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. The only part that would be interesting is what did David Rubenstein think he was buying? And yeah. Did that group think they were buying? Yeah. And does that impact? Because if they if in doing their valuation of the Orioles they said well it's worth one point seven billion to yeah. us because we also get the Nationals TV rights. Something would happen in the money that Masson owes to the Nationals. Mm-hmm. In other words. If that turned out to be the case that Masson won't be a part of the deal, somehow Mas- the Nationals would not get all of that money that they think they have coming. That would be sort of, in my mind, the, the equivalent is, like uh, a purchase price yep. for them regaining their rights. Be because that would be that would be fair to the Angelos family or now Rubenstein, to me. You know, I mean, um, remember they did sign off initially the Washington Nationals, yes, and 100%. the learners in particular knew what they were buying. Yes, and then they uh, they turned around and said, "Hey, we made a terrible deal here. We want to, you know, we we're going to yeah. sue you." You know, well, TV was how teams are making their money. Yeah, this was local yeah. media was how teams are making their money, and yeah. they said, "Well, this is problematic because we can't make that money. Yeah. We, it's not it's not profitable enough just selling tickets and suites. Like we need to have that that revenue as well." And 
there's no there is no correct answer there was no correct answer and everybody kept trying to scream and pretend like there was some moral high ground that did not exist there was no correct answer when we come back in the correct answer for betting is always our friends at superbook and with the big game coming up on sunday we will check in with our friend jay cornegay out at westgate in las vegas where things are insanely busy and we will find out what the best ways are to go about betting on the big game on sunday stands here i'm glenn glenn clark radio Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. Stan the Fan Charles with us on a Friday edition of the program. Toyota is a proud sponsor of County Sports Zone. And I always talk about the importance of being well-rounded. You say you're a local sports fan. You care about local sports. You should care about all local sports, including high schools. And County Sports Zone is your headquarters for local high school scores. 
Schedules and standings across all sports. CountySportsZone.com is proudly sponsored by Toyota. So Stan and I made our picks yesterday for Sunday, and we are we diverge on not only betting the uh, the line for Sunday's game, but also the total for Sunday's game as well. But there are so many other bets that are available, and of course, with the big game out in Las Vegas, I know it has been an insanely busy week. For our next guest, our friend from Superbook, Vice President of Race and Sports Operations at Westgate, and of course, that means Superbook. He is Mr. Jay Cornergay, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Jay, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you again. Thanks for taking the time for us. Yeah, good morning, guys. How has it been in Las Vegas? What has it been like being at the epicenter of everything? I'm going to guess that most Super Bowl weeks are crazy in Las Vegas, but this one... This what's... one must be on steroids or something. <laughs> oh, that's right. I mean... Super Bowl week, okay, Super Bowl weekend is always a huge weekend for us, and you always feel that vibe and, and that electricity uh, around the city. But this year is different, as you can imagine, because there's just so many other activities. There's so many other uh, uh, venues that we haven't had before. You know, we got the NFL experience. We have uh, a number of league um supported venues that have really just taken us to another level so very exciting for us out here in las vegas i remember in the lead up to the afc championship game and it didn't work out so well for us there was a lot made about how you guys couldn't sell a ticket on the kansas city chiefs that all of the action was coming in on the baltimore ravens what does it look like over the course of the last two weeks as far as where is the action has been just on the game itself before we get into the many prop bets yeah, we opened the, the 49ers at two and a half, and the market really shifted, and, and the entire market, not just Las Vegas, but the entire market dropped down as the, the number was being adjusted. There was some Kansas City money early, which dropped it all the way down to one in about one and a half days after posting uh, the number after the championship game. So, but from that point, once we got to San Francisco at one, all the big plays started coming in on San Francisco, which drove it all the way back up, back to two and a half, where we currently are. The big money has been on San Francisco, but I can tell you that most of the tickets and the smaller money is on Kansas City. In fact, I think the ticket count right now is uh, about a two-to-one ratio in favor of Kansas City. I'm curious, uh, Jay, it struck me as very odd after they beat the Ravens in Baltimore that the Chiefs were the underdog in this game. Can you explain to me, other than San Francisco's got more big big money, or is that the reason, is there a football reason really that San Francisco is seen as, as the favorite in this game? Well, I've talked to a number of uh, odds makers around town and across the country. We were discussing that because Kansas City has been a very difficult team for us to handicap this year. You know, we've always, you know, they were struggling for most of the year, uh, but they were winning, um, and they didn't really catch fire until the finally woke up, and, you know, Kelsey became part of the game plan again. But uh, it, it's... The only way I can explain it to you is that our power rankings at San Francisco, uh, even though their struggles, especially defensively, 
was still the top-rated team in our power rankings. And by the time we got to, you know, through the playoffs and to this game, Kansas City closed that gap a bit, but we still have San Francisco as a, the, the top-ranked team in the league. Jay Cornegay from Superbook is with us here on GCR. Jay, there are so many other ways to bet the Super Bowl, and it's unlike, obviously, any sporting event throughout the course of the year. What are the props that you guys get the most tickets on? What are the, you know, off-the-wall stuff that people are absolutely obsessed with betting when you get to the Super Bowl <laughs> week? Oh, man, there's a slew. As you guys know, we talked about this last year. And the props represent about 68% of the total handle. And so, in other words, we take more money and we have more tickets on the proposition than the game itself. A typical fan will bet one bet on the game, which is usually their largest, and then they make six or ten prop bets. But it it really surprises people because we have all these different types of crazy propositions, crossover uh, propositions to other sports that are taking place uh, during the course of the Super Bowl weekend, but it's the ones that they can understand that are the ones that are really popular, like uh, the MVP of the game, uh, the player to score the first touchdown. Will either team score like four straight times? I mean, those are the type of propositions, along with overtime safety and, of course, the coin toss. Those are the ones that get the most tickets on, the most money on. Jay, uh, we, we were talking before earlier. Is there some type of prohibition on betting now on the, the over-under on the national anthem? Well, it's always, as far as I know, it's always been prohibited, you know, in Nevada, of course, okay. but all other states as well, because there's no official result. There's, uh, there's who's, who's going to produce the official result because okay. there has been controversy yeah around like offshore uh europe uk they post those type of propositions yeah. but the specifically the national anthem has had problems because there's rehearsals and people have been timing this thing and they're very close to what the actual number is going to be but when there's just so much commotion going on at the 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 game itself when they uh officially sing the national anthem they don't have the the proper like channels and and resources to when do you exactly start that clock uh-huh. and when do you end the clock yeah when you end the clock there's there's people cheering there's the flyover uh-huh. we can't hear when the the actual brave the last word is ending so it's been very interesting to see all the other jurisdictions out there have problems with it but uh you know, as far as I know, it's always been prohibited in the U.S. market. All right. We're talking with Jay Cornegay of uh, Superbook Sports. Jay, I've got one more for you, and that has to do with the fact that the game is played in Vegas this year. Is that increasing local handle in Vegas on the game? Yeah, so far the numbers have been above average, and we're certainly on pace for – a record amount, which was set two years ago when the Rams played the Bengals. Um, we're, we're just seeing more VIPs here. We're seeing more celebrities here. Uh, it just seems to be, since we're the host city, people are just, I mean, more excited to bet on the game. So we are expecting it to beat the record handle.
Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite prop that you're like, I love, I, and I get that you can't bet on these things. That's the way that it works. But do you have one that when it goes up, you're like, man, I wish I could. I wish. I wish I was allowed. Let, to, let me to, let Glenn and Stan know yeah, right? what, what to bet on that specific prop. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I got to tell you that uh, we call this the grandfather of all props. It used, it used to be, well, either team score three straight times. Now, because it happens so often, we go to four straight times without the other team scoring. And we call that the grandfather of all props because it happens a lot more than you think. Now, we still have both of those props up. Well, either team scores three straight times without the other team scoring. We also have four. But that a lot of people bet against that because they're like, no way, that doesn't happen. But it happens quite often, and you can actually have it, get a decent price on it. So there's your little uh, inside tip on some of the prop wagering. So I, there's another one that I love. But I'm now doing my research. Literally, since you got on the phone, I decided I'm going to – I, I ha- will the final score be the same final score as any previous Super Bowl? Wow. Is available at 4-1. to one. And you think to yourself, there have been 57 Super right, Bowls. 57 previous Super like, Bowls. Like, there's, there's got to be a chance of that. I'm only, like, through the first 20, and I only have one repeat score from the first 20. I don't okay. know how many there are total. <laughs> I'm going to do my math on this because I'm in love with this bet, but I'm realizing it actually makes sense for it to be four to one because this just does not happen that frequently. <laughs> right. Well, the the scoregami, right? That's what I, that's we call an, it. Yeah. And it's it, yeah, and it's not okay. Here's the key to that: it's not just Super Bowls. Okay, so it's I, in NFL history. I, I got a NFL different one. History. So I, I saw scoregami, but I saw Super Bowl repeat. Will the final score have occurred in any past oh, Super Bowl? Okay, I've got that as right, well because right, Scorigami right. is a crazy. Scorigami is like a twenty to one, um, which yeah, makes sense. That's right. right? That's like, that makes all the sense right. in the world. But just to have occurred in okay, any so past Super Bowl, I saw four to one for that. Okay. Yes. Okay. I know which one you're talking about now. Yes. And so, are you saying that you love the four to one? I I when I saw that, I said to myself. This is great, right? Like four yeah, to one 50 odds, other, 58, fifty-seven seven. other Super Bowls. Yeah, like there's only so many scores you can have in a football game. Let's be honest. It's the reason why scoregami is so crazy, right? Like you're, you're the right. likelihood of there being a bunch of missed extra points and a bunch of two-point conversions or safeties or something like that is still slim. So I, I to me, I'm thinking there's almost got to be damn near even money that there's a chance of it being the same score as a Super Bowl. So I loved the idea of getting four to one action on that because in my brain it felt yeah. like something that was more likely to happen with frequency. Yeah, and I I can see that view, I, and I understand that. And you know, I, I'd have to defer to my stat guys who have crunched all these numbers right. for weeks to come up with the right number. And I guarantee you that we are going to need, you know, a different score. So, I mean, people are taking the four to one. People are taking. It'll probably by the time it kicks off, I wouldn't be surprised if that was two to one because I know that a lot of people are right. are playing that side. Uh, I'm so I'm racing that, to that get mine in right now. I'm doing it right now, Jay. <laughs> hey, Jay, Jay, I've got one last question for you. I know I said that before, but it seems to me, and again, I haven't looked at this, but in the old days. The Super Bowl used to be an awful lot of blowouts, and I don't know exactly what number it is. Is it over 14 points is a blowout? But it seems like the last 20 years, 
the Super Bowl really has been often a very close game. Yes. When the NFC was dominating the AFC in the late 80s or 80s and the early 90s, in fact, that's what really uh, um, that era, the props became very, very popular because the game was so boring. There were so many blowouts, and the game was, you know, not, I mean, everybody was bored at halftime. So that's where we actually became, you know, I mean, a lot of people know Superbook now and Superbook Sports, but that's how we got our niche in in, in the business. We came up with a a lot of different propositions that we purposely made up that didn't or wasn't decided until the second half. Gotcha. And so back in the mid, late 80s, there was only 20 or 30 propositions and we we bumped up the menu to 50 and to 100, and now we're looking at over 500 ways, you know, to wow. uh, bet on this game. That's so right. it's uh, so you're, what you're, you're saying you're is right. Las Vegas has as you guys to thank that you basically saved you saved Las Vegas you saved the right. Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll we Stan and I can be the one. I'll tell you saved. what though, the networks then really are not complicit's the wrong word, but they've got skin in the game to push the fact that these props are out there because it keeps people watching the game into the second half. Although we agree, you and I, Jay, that the games have been a lot closer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the last 20 years or so, we have been very fortunate to have some really good games. And about time, and that hasn't hurt the prop market at all. I mean, the prop market has grown to where it is today, mainly because a lot of people have had success with them. You know, uh, they've, they've cashed a lot of tickets. And, of course, we won our share. But back in the day, like in the 80s, they were considered sucker bets. But now, you know, if you're not betting the props, you know, you're not betting the Super Bowl. That's fact. That's a fact. Uh, Jay Cornergay. It's Jay Cornergay on Twitter, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, give Jay a follow. And, of course, Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app, and you can use our codes, Glenn Clark 23 Stan Charles 23 Get up to $250 in a same-day first bet match. Jay, can we get you on uh, sometime right as the uh, March Madness is beginning? Absolutely, guys. All right. We love having you on. Jay, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Jay Cornegay from Superbook. I am through Super Bowl 41, and I have only two repeat scores so far. Stan Charles 23, Glenn Clark 23. Those are the promo codes to use to get the first bet match if you're just signing up with SuperbookSports.com. Up to $250. Win or lose. You make a $250 bet, you get up to $250. You get that number. You get $250 in free bets no matter what happens with that bet. You make a $20 bet, you get $20 worth of free bets, win or lose. You make a $1,000 bet, you get $250 worth of free bets, win or lose, from Superbook. I'm blown away by this, that there have not been more repeat scores in Super Bowl. This is, I'm obsessed with this currently. I cannot believe that there have only been two scores. And, I'll, I'll and it's interesting. He says that so many people are taking that bet at 4-1 to one that they're hoping for a, a new score. Oh, of course they are, yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm, yeah. definitely, I'm a sucker. I'm I'm gonna, a, I think I'm going to be a sucker as well. I love that. Like I got twenty three to ten in the final. That's never happened. So, well, then you be betting the other way. You'd saying you'd be betting it'd be, re- be a first time. He's this betting that there'll be will a there repeat be a repeat. Score. Oh, and you're saying there Fi- will be will the will the final score have occurred in a past Super Bowl? Oh, yes. 
gotcha. is the four to one. Oh, okay. I don't dog. know how I misread that. Which score? Which team? I'm just curious. Do you think is going to be held to ten points? Griff. Ah, uh, the Niners. Niners. Yeah, I'm all in on the Chiefs defense. Okay. Yeah. I am. I am. I am so obsessed with this right now. I've but never mostly the thirteen point spread. So yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. So. You wouldn't want to make that bet because you'd only be getting five. Yeah, yeah, you'd be so going the other way. You'd so be going mind. one I'm to five. Yeah, I'm you wouldn't want this. that bet. I like the idea. Of it being like twenty four to seven or something or yeah, something that's happened before. 20 These are all football. Twenty to seventeen. These are all football scores. Yeah. Right. Like most of the football scores have happened before in a Super Bowl. It would require, and I get it. We're in an era where teams down fourteen, they're going to go for two, and that can screw things up. Like I understand why we're more likely to get both a, a a score that's never happened in a Super Bowl and even scoregami in this era of football than we were once upon a time when there were no two-point conversions. Explain scoregami. Scoregami is a fun thing for football nerds. Scoregami is you on like Sundays you look around and the games are blowouts and you have nothing to root for. And what they scoregami is this score has never happened before in any NFL game ever. And so their so Twitter, possible. the Twitter account. So you get like a game that's like forty to six, you yes. know, and like it's just random enough. The so, numbers. So if you're betting scoregami, you're betting on trying to uh, have a game that's never. Correct. So and so so it's fun because on Sunday scoregami will tweet out. It will be like, oh, uh, you know, so the Jaguars just scored. The yeah. score is, and they went for two and missed it. So it's forty to twelve now. <laughs> this game has a eighty percent chance of being scoregami because forty to twelve has never happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, and everyone's like, yes, yes. Have never. I'm trying to see what are some number. What are, what are some um, final scores that are still even available for yeah. score again? Yeah, I mean, because there's been like over a thousand. They've got ninety nine to four. They've got yeah, this. So uh, yeah, twenty three to twenty three to four has never happened. Mm. They've only only one time it appears has there ever been a final score of four. I don't know what the game was, but there was a 10-4, Here we go, Racine Legion. Against the Chicago Cardinals in 1923. I was at that game. I, th- I thought <laughs> I you might be. Was a final score of I, as a matter of fact, four. I was in midfield like <laughs> Zelig. I Were flipped you? the coin. How about know. that? Uh, eight to seven has never happened. So Ooh. imagine, like, you know, a defensive battle. Team's up 7-0 late. The other team scores in the final minute. They decide we want to go for it right now and try to end the game. Eight seven has never occurred before in the NFL. Neither has 39 to six. That would be available for Scorigami. Um, a lot of 11s are available. Some 12s are available. 22s. That'd be bad news for your 2-2 two, two, uh, uh, square. That's not going to work out so well. 32 to 15 has never occurred. 15, 15. Well, they can't be a tie in the Super Bowl, so that won't work. 25 15, to 18. 15, 14. Has that ever happened? Ooh. 15, 14 apparently has happened. Yeah, that sounds. 15, 14 sounds has happened nine times. Oh, yeah. Most recently, what? Like 49ers Bears in 2017 was 15, 14. Yeah, yeah. I think. 44, 12 is available. Lots of scoregamis that are available. So you feel like there's uh, some history set to be made. I would sounds like a new addiction for me. I oh, you're gonna be obsessed with scoregami now. The way that you're obsessed with the grid now, you're gonna be all in on scoregami. You can bet that at SuperBook. All right, uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by. This one's gonna be brought to you by Goose Flights. We love Goose Flights. Available all over town. Cans available, of course, at not only. Our friends at the Green Turtle Sportsbook in Canton, the Bet Park Sportsbook, but also 
at Alonzo's on Roland Park or in Roland Park on Cold Spring Lane. Also available in cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, all of the Glory Days Grill locations in the state of Maryland. Cans and six packs available at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Also available out at Costas Inn in Dundalk. And six packs and cases available at the Wine Source in Hamden. Find out more, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. Great beer would make a great addition to your party, whatever it is that you're doing on Sunday. If you're deciding where it is that you want to watch the game, maybe you get the Glory Days Grill and watch it there with them goose flights. But 198 from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation and what they're doing to continue Tony's vision and keep his legacy going, providing non-emergency medical transport for those in need. What you got? All right, uh, I have a couple today uh, because I've been putting off some of the the Chiefs related ones that that I needed to use. Um, all right, so Lamar, of course, did win the MVP. Um, he became the second NFL player in history to win multiple MVPs before their age twenty seven season. Who does he join on that list? Mahomes. No. His second one was at twenty seven. Yeah, twenty eight. Yeah. Jim Brown. Jim Brown is, that makes is sense. the correct answer. That makes a lot of Jim sense. Jim Brown and yeah. Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar also uh, he became By the, the way, second. Of those eleven, I just want to point out Jim Brown's the only one that wasn't a quarterback. Correct. Correct. That's how great he yep. was. Um, Lamar uh, became the second athlete uh, ever in American sports to win the. So he won the Heisman when he was 19 years right. old, and now he's a two-time MVP before turning 27, um, or before his age 27 season. Uh, the only other player uh, to win a National Player of the Year co- uh, award in college, and then also win multiple MVP awards in their well, he's, respective pro. So sports. just so he's, he's the first player to ever win it. Heisman and two MVPs ever. Yes. Yes. But or as a teenager to win the MVP to win the Heisman as a did the did any of the did any, any of the other I don't think any of the other guys had won a Heisman. Favre, you, Johnny, Favre you, definitely didn't win yeah. a Heisman. Rodgers never won a Heisman. No. Yeah. Peyton did not. Yeah. Okay. Then I think. Uh, then I think you're right. I'm pretty sure yeah. that he's the only guy to have ever won a Heisman and two MVPs. The other player, right, to win uh, the Player of the Year. Do you want to give me the score? I mean, it required. It okay, I was gonna say if it was if it was. If it was the what is the hockey or the Hobie Baker award, there's zero chance. Imagine what it would be like if Lamar actually won the Super Bowl. Yeah, it would be great. Heisman, yeah, right. The two MVPs. Root for that. Probably Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Uh, A basketball player that was named the Wooden Award winner, and then went on to win two MVPs. This unfortunately requires you to know who won the Wooden Award, and I don't know who won the. I don't remember Uh, anybody. He won it. In 1967. Uh, uh, Bill Walton? Not Bill Walton. I was going to... Got the right school. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Uh, And then I had one more. Okay, so this is going to be the fourth instance. Uh, This comes from Tony Holtzman-Escarino. The fourth instance, the fourth Super Bowl uh, among uh, head coaching rematches all time. Um, in each of the previous uh, three rematches, the winner of the first one did win the game. Did did win the second time around as well. Uh, can you name the other three? So nobody's ever avenged their Correct. Super Bowl. How about that? Can you name the other three uh, head coaching rematches? Well, some of them are easy, like Jimmy Johnson, Marv Levy. That is correct because Levy, they right, played in back-to-back go. Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, uh, a Bart, uh, uh, Lombardi, Hank Stram. Oh, no, they didn't play back. No, no they, they didn't, didn't play. Do yeah. Um, Tom Landry and somebody. 
Tom Landry is half of it, yes. Uh, Flores? No. Madden? No. Lombardi? No. It would have to be an AFC. Yeah. Don Shula. Not Don Shula. Who else did the Cowboys? Oh, um, uh, Walsh. No, not Walsh. Uh, that would be that would be NFC too. Oh, that's right. I don't know. Who am I thinking? Hell, oh, um, uh, 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 uh Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, God, yeah, uh, yeah. Noel. Thank Noel. you, yeah, Jesus. Chuck Noel. Yes. Chuck, yes. Noel. Chuck Noel. And then the third one. Uh, Boy, we knocked that whew, down. Whew. Whew. This one you should know as well. The third one. The third oh, one. The third one. Yes. The third one is more modern. Mm-hmm. The third one is. The third one is. Belichick. And. Oh God, who did he face multiple times? Oh, and Reed, right? Because they in Philly and Kansas City. Um, no, no, that is well. Yeah, oh, never, no, because that's right. That's right, because he wasn't, yeah. yeah. He, but it is Belichick second, and. No, it was Brady. In the, like, yeah, I've been thinking yeah. of Brady oh, beat yes. Andy Reid twice. The second time, though, was with the Buccaneers. It wasn't with the piss. Um, <laughs> Coughlin? Yes. Oh, Tom right, of Coughlin. course, Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin yes. took Belichick down twice. Um, so Andy Reid uh, now looking to take down Kyle Shanahan twice in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and this was the best one I found from Jay Kuda a couple, uh, about a week ago. Um, the... The, the Chiefs are 19-1 and one in the last five years when playing under waxing crescent moon conditions. Ah, well. Of course, Sunday night. Waxing crescent moon? Well, it's over. It's over. Sorry, Stan. Got bad news about your 49ers bet. Never, uh, never bet against a waxing crescent moon. Uh, Damn it. Um, all right, and then Andy Reid, uh, he is the he became, he is now the seventh coach in NFL history to coach for 25 seasons. Can you name the other six? Seventh? Yes. The wow, other I would six. Coach 25 seasons? Don Shula is one of them. Don Shula is on the list. Tom Landry. Tom Landry, also on the list. Chuck Knoll? Not Chuck Knoll. Really? Only 23 for... George Hallis? George Hallis? No, uh, no George... Uh, yeah, sorry, George Hallis. Number one on the list. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 40 years coaching So we've got three of them. How about... No, Joe Gibbs didn't do 25 years. No, no Joe Gibbs. What about um, Joe Gibbs Lombardi? 16. Um, no, 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 not 25 years. Boy, you have to last a long time. You really do. What about, um, Belichick didn't get the 25? Belichick is in fact, okay. uh, he's at yeah. 29 at the moment. Okay, so, so we've done four of them, right? Shula, Belichick, Landry, and Hallis. Yes. And Hallis. Yep. And we're looking for how many more? Two more. Two more 25 years. Before I give you a hint, that'll give it away. Timers. This is actually fascinating. This is a fascinating question. I don't think Marv Levy was that long. He was not. Man. And they can be with multiple teams. Correct, yeah. Parcells wasn't, right? Not Parcells. God. Uh, Schottenheimer? No, not Schottenheimer. Vince Lombardi only coached 10 seasons. That has a head coach. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I was not alive. Died kind of young. Uh, George Seifert. No. Bill Walsh. No. Dick Vermeil. No. Just throwing out names. It's all Shanahan. The two remaining. Jimmy Johnson. No. That you haven't named. uh, They both have stadiums named after them. Oh, Curly Lambeau. 
Or Paul Brown. Paul Brown. Those are the two. Those are the other two on this list. Yeah. There you go. Very good. Very good. Here's what's coming up this weekend, totally tubular-wise. Uh, can't go over everything but some of the highlights for the weekend. Um, nothing really uh, tonight. Tomorrow, Maryland Hoops, if you still care, they're at what Ohio time State. Is that? 4 o'clock tomorrow on and, Fox Sports 1. And what time is the Maryland lacrosse game tomorrow? Tomorrow, that's at noon. Yeah, that's at noon. You're not going to be watching Maryland because you'll be watching Stevenson men's ice hockey. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, Griffin's got UCAC, that at 3 o'clock uh, tomorrow. Title. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, yes, Maryland takes on Loyola and lacrosse. Good one. Noon, unfortunately, only on Big Ten Network Plus, just in that time of the year where lacrosse can't get the TV windows because basketball's got all of them. CBS Sports Network, Navy, Army, uh, women 11 a.m., men at 1.30. ESPN Plus tomorrow, Hofstra Navy lacrosse at noon, Vermont UMBC hoops at 1, uh, Colgate Loyola hoops at 5, and Johns Hopkins Georgetown lacrosse tomorrow at noon on Flow Sports. Also, Towson lacrosse hosts Mount St. Mary's tomorrow at 4 on Flow Sports as well. On Sunday, Maryland, Illinois women at 3, and then obviously the Super Bowl, which is on both CBS and Nickelodeon. At six thirty, yeah. so you got that going well, for you. Any props on the yeah. puppy bowl? You know, I would love to be able to bet the puppy bowl. My kids love watching the puppy bowl. We'll definitely spend some. I got to do the radio show on Sunday until four. But when I get home, we'll I watch a little a bit Saint of puppy Bernard bowl. Saint Bernard. Yeah, you think it's that? Bowl, well, yeah. it's a team. It's a team competition. It's not a singular dog. It's like team. I believe it's team rough versus team like fluff. No, 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 no. It's a team competition. They put all new teams I on the field for every, every quarter. Time I do Big this. puppy bowl guy over here. Big. I mean, fan. yeah, I was too, like 10 years Love ago. Jane no, will be puppy watching the puppy awesome. bowl. It's awesome. Tremendous television. All right. Stan the Fan appreciates you as always, sir. Thank what? You. Oh, non-sports. Yeah, go Greatest ahead. Greatest Super Bowl commercials countdown tonight sure. on CBS at 8 sure. o'clock. Sure, sure. Um, Jalen Brunson's going to be on Fallon tonight as well. There's another new Saturday Night Live this weekend, isn't there? Uh, No. Oh, no. When's Shane Gillis then? Mm, it's the following weeks. week? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think All we right. got two weeks off here. All right. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Tracker. This is going to be the commercial you're going to see. It's come, premiering right after the Super Bowl. That's right. On I want to after the Super Bowl. Tracker. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to watch that. Really? What is it? Yeah. So Just, it's a new series on like, CBS. What's so uh, tracks? Uh, Killers and kidnappers. Yeah, he's a, he's tracker. a tracker. Okay, it's, uh, you know what? I think it's the Kyle Ottenheimer story. It might be. <laughs> that might be what Kyle's up to these days. Uh, uh, and who's in it? Uh, Justin Hartley. Who's that? Um, I have he's no been in idea. Stuff. He's been in. He's stuff. Mrs. Hartley's he's son. <laughs> yeah. This is what they're putting on after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Or you can switch over to HBO. Cur- new episode of Curb. Of course. Oh, I, yeah. that's what I will do. hundred oh, percent. And this is the last. I love that HBO doesn't give an f. They've done this forever. They will put shows on. No matter what they're up against, they just don't care. And is this the last well, 10, performance so. or just last NFL game for Jim Nance? No, this is Jim Nance is not leaving. I thought he was he did, leaving. He left college basketball, but he's not leaving I, the NFL. I, I thought he was. No, so. just college basketball okay. is what he uh, yeah, he bailed on that. Never mind. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the only big broadcasting thing is Greg Olson being replaced by Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. That's the only big. Really? Fox? Yeah, Fox's. They pulled the plug on Craig, Well, Greg Olson was great. It was just the plan was always Tom Brady. Yeah. So he was just the fill-in, and then it turns out he was really good. So where's he going to go? That's that's like the big story in, in, in the broadcasting world is Greg Olson, I, I think, is still under contract with Fox, but like may, might be able to get out of it if they don't give him a give game him role back, or yeah. something like that. So yeah, he's, very night football. he's very he's good. He's outstanding in that role. Appreciate you. Be interesting to see how uh, Brady Brady does. does. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, if he's willing to do the work, obviously yeah. he's got the mind for football. Yeah. If he's willing to do the work that it requires in order to be really good at, that's the you know the internal Tony Romo problem. I Romo add something. That's what he said, right? <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you uh, at Stan the Fan on Twitter. Of course, uh, every Monday he Ross and Luke talking baseball. Check him out there. Don't forget the bat around tomorrow morning at noon. Paul and Ryan will be with you, and uh, Reed and I are with you to, on Sunday from one to four over on one hundred five seven the Fan. Thanks today to Buck Showalter. Thanks to Jay Cornergay. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hit section of the Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Monday, we'll figure out on Monday. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, AJ Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook, Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go local hoops teams. Go local lacrosse teams. Duke sucks.